Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Welcome, everybody, to the Blood and Mud podcast, the podcast that actually watches Worcester. Well, you say that. Well, we do do, well I do. I mean, I'll tell I you have something. Watched, I, I have watched, I've watched, watched more Worcester than... Certain highly paid pundits. Yeah, I was going to say, I tell you what, if I was going to be on ITV this Saturday, I'd have maybe watched probably a bit of watch, Worcester. Probably watched a couple of Worcester games. You know, probably watch at least every single team in the Premiership, at least every single game that they've played this season. We are, of course, referring to Clive Woodward, who said he was disappointed that <clears throat> Lawrence wasn't playing against Italy. Yes. Because he was looking forward to seeing him because he's never seen him play for Worcester. Just a remarkable. It shows how absolutely bankrupt the current state of that generation of punditry is in rugby union. Because let's face it, that one, no football pundit would get away with saying that these days. No, like, not not at all. And it's the fact that you're not even. He's not even ashamed. He's not yeah, even it's the trying lack to of fucking shame. busk it. He's just, he's just doing it. He's literally barefacedly saying, I don't watch it. I don't watch the Premiership. I've actually no idea if he's any good. But he must yeah. be because he's been picked for England and I've just wanted it's, to check it out. It's a staggering level of sort of championing ignorance. that, And yet, somehow, he's still employed. Like, 
that should be an instant sacking, surely. It would be for like, me and you, Josh. Once yeah. again, it's one rule for the bald men dressed like Rupert the Bear and one for me and you. <laughs> it's true, that. How I'm, many times does like, this happen? I don't, I don't have to like it, but I do just accept that it is the yeah. case. Yeah. It's Britain. Modern Britain. Yeah. Um, yep. Anyway, I'm Lee. Hello. And over there hi. is... Josh. Hi. Josh, I've just had me dinner, or tea, yep. as I call it. Mm-hmm. And it was it it was the most ginger dinner I've ever had in my life. Because oh, we're, okay. we're going through uh, a kind of let's save a bit of money in the new year thing. Because I'm sick of going to the supermarket and spending like 35 quid when I just nipped for some tea bags. Yeah. yeah. So we're having like a weekly delivery done now to try and stem that flow. And uh, so we're, we're making a point of eating what we've got in. Oh, yeah. So what was in today was... Uh, some carrots and a turnip. Very nice. Yeah. And and some fish fingers. Oh. So I made carrot, carrot and turnip mash. Yeah. And fish and fish fingers for me tea. And it's hitting all of the orange food groups. It's it was as ginger as they come. It was wonderful. <laughs> I just needed to have a brown ale with it and I'd have been sorted. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean Everybody's got to do that sometimes. You can have well, somebody I used to work with used to call it the kids' tea. Or the, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The brown tea. So do just... I used to work with. Used to have what they called a tinny dinner, where the I dinner mean, that, was all out of tins. That sounds fucking horrendous. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine tin potatoes and peas. Yeah, and meatballs in a can or something. Yeah, meatballs, tin sausages or something. Something tin frank hot dogs. I mean, hot dogs would see out of a tin is pretty good to be fair. No, not not having it. Hot dogs and so- beans are not dogs. What's that all about? Beans and sausage, the absolute worst. I'm, I'm right there with you. No, thank you. I've missed this whole Weetabix beans thing. By the way, I saw one Glad, picture. Gladly so. Gladly so. Yeah. Did it blow up? I think it did. I think it went mental. I know everyone got excited. It's like the cake thing. Remember the cake thing? Oh, the things that are not a cake. That are cake. Yeah. Yeah. It was. People are so bored, aren't they, Josh? We're so, so bored. bored, aren't we? <laughs> so We're bored. We're all so bored. <laughs> Speaking of bored, why don't you get in touch with us? Yeah. We're at Blood I'm at Blood and Mud on the Twitter. Or you, you can are. you can direct message me or you can do mm-hmm. Patreon messaging if you're that way inclined, if you want to yeah. then. And uh, how do people get in touch with you, Josh? Uh, at Josh Gardner, uh, at Rugby Shirtwatch, RugbyShirtwatch.com, or indeed uh, me via the Patreon messaging thing. I mean, it oh, has yeah, to come by true. Lee. Yeah, I'd have to forward it to you. Occasionally, people ask me about things related to my day job. Oh, yeah, but... you got a guitar ask, didn't you? Yeah, that was quite funny. As if you don't have enough to put up with me asking you. You've now got listeners asking you. That's no, fine, you know. Always happy to help. Yeah. Just, just. Can you set up a kind of um, affiliate thing with some guitar retailer like you do with <laughs> Fanatics? Maybe I mean, do I that could way. do that, couldn't I? Yeah, set up something with Andersons or Dawson's or Toman or something. Yeah. Hey, here's one. Why don't, if you want there, gentlemen, let us know. We could do a Q&A special for only musical instrument interested <laughs> patrons. And you can send them oh, in and wow. we'll spend an hour that going into a... in-depth detail about tone. I mean, Jesus, that would be a <laughs> so, very different... I mean, that's a podcast I'm not entirely sure I'm legally allowed to do. That's probably because, true, actually. There's something in the contract I'm pretty sure in, the t- in my contract, I'm probably not allowed to do any sort of guitar-slash-music-related journalism outside of my day job. That's usually how it goes. Yeah. So this is obviously 
nothing to do with it, so it's fine. So, but if yeah, guitar.com is listening, but if, if they are listening... If we did it on the Patreon, nobody yeah, behind, know. A, behind a paywall, nobody will know. No, nobody will know. You can literally get away with anything behind a paywall. <laughs> you can't even screen grab, screen grab a podcast, <laughs> so it's fine. <laughs> right then, yeah, so um, what are we talking about mm. then? Yeah, so if anyone from guitar.com is listening, Josh didn't give any advice about any guitar related or no, recommend any particular not. brand. No. He has no opinion around no. any of these bands in particular. No. I, I, I am Switzerland. <laughs> uh, now then... Uh, we are also on Acast, we're on Apple, we are mm-hmm. on patreon.com slash blood and mud, and there you can find a £2 a month where you can get extra stuff. Uh, we know we were meant to do the team in the 90s outside centre episode three weeks ago and said we'd do it that week. You'd be oh, yeah. amazed to hear we haven't done it. I have, however, today put out the final vote. Oh, so good. If you're a yes. patron, you can vote in the poll for the outside centre. Who, who are the nominees? Because I haven't seen it yet. Well, I'm not telling these people I haven't paid. Oh, right. um, I can't can remember. Tant- you know what? Tantalise them in with them. They could tantalise the them in. It was quite a long list. A lot of nominations for outside centre. Okay. The inside centre was quite a short bang. There's not many. Yeah, it was. So we've got uh, Jason Little, mm-hmm. Jerry Guskett, yeah, Buncey, obviously yeah. Frank Bunce, um, Philippe Seller. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, Scott Hastings. Have I said him? No. Yeah. Uh, Alan Bateman, an outside one. I fancied throwing Alan Tate in just to have two ones called Alan. Yeah. Which I think would have been wonderful. There's nothing more nighties than that. But I don't think it was a bit of a stretch to chuck Alan Tate in. Probably a little bit. I think there's another one that I'm I'm not... Oh, an an outside one, curveball one. Mm. Uh, Danny Herber. Oh. Famous South African 13 who didn't Ah. get much in the public eye because of you know, the bad things that his country were doing. Yeah. However, if you look at any clips you can find of Danny Herber, he is fucking mustard. And somebody did nominate him. I didn't even make it up. Um, mm. So, yeah, so if you want to have a vote in that and then listen to us talk about it, like we just did a little bit, Why and not? then nominate it to add to our team of the 90s and find out who we've selected so far and who we'll select over the next four years to complete Point. it, then you can join in at patreon.com slash mud. Two quid gets you everything. Or 20 quid for the year. Five quid a month gets you everything, plus your name mentioned on here and us saying what kind of rugby player you are. Or 50 quid a year, of course, if you're like a man who gets. If you're a man or a lady, let's get a payment out of the way. Also, big apologies to Fish, a lovely patron who wrote in last week, who I I referred to throughout the whole of the correspondence from from that person as a he. And it's a lady. Oh, well. She forgives me. Which is I nice. I assumed she was a I fish. did say, we're all victims of the patriarchy. Damn right we are. I'm sorry, but I will try and get better. So, sorry about that, Fish. Lovely lady that you are in Canada. Um, so, uh, this week's VIPs, thank you very much. First mm-hmm. of all, we've got Noel Hewson, Josh. Yes, Noel, uh, who is a loose forward for Leinster's sub-sub-sub-academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, which rumour has it is not really an academy at all, but like an eldritch fusion of is dark magic. Is it a shadow magic. squad? It's, it's a, what it is is an eldritch fusion of dark magic and technology housed deep in the under, like underneath the pitch at the RDS from which the evil mages of the Leinster cult conjure up endless, faceless 7 out of 10 loose forwards to power the Dublin club's inexorable <laughs> dominance of the Pro 14 for the next 20 years. Uh, Noel will finish his career with 150 appearances for Leinster, 11 Ireland caps, nine winners' medals, and nobody, not even his own teammates, will be able to pick him out of a police lineup at the end of it. I do like the idea that underneath the ground, that's what's happening. 
And I, yes. I imagine those hedges slide back they and the latest do. clones rise out of the ground. Well, what happens is fully the, hedge, formed. the hedges actually go up and form a dome. Yes. Sort of to hide their arcane rituals that are going on. <laughs> yeah, and Alex Jones is trying to film it and sell yep. it to his uh, InfoWars <laughs> channel as demonstrations of the Illuminati. Leinster are the Illuminati. I was going to say, if there's any club that is the Illuminati of Rugby Union, it is absolutely Leinster. Let's not beat around the bush. No, indeed. Thank you, Noel. Thank you very much. Um, indeed. Also, with this week, we've had volunteering Tom Roberts. Tom Robert Roberts, so named because of his snaffling ability at open side for the uh, clandestine poachers RFC but also because he nicks other people's kit and brazen just brazens it out. So I mean, basically he's in the changing so room. Every every club's got one of those, hasn't they? Bit yeah, like so Tingered. In the changing room. Is that my head guard, Tom? Nope. No. Don't Is that about. my monogram mouth mouth guard, Tom, with my initials on it? Nope. <laughs> Is that my <laughs> wife, Tom? Nope. No, surely not. <laughs> yeah, so Tom Robert Roberts. Thank you, Tom. You're a thief, but we welcome you in. Indeed. Do you remember that was there was the, the talk, and this is entirely you know conjecture, but um, like it famous Continue. famous uh, could have been brilliant, but wasn't footballer Ravel Morrison? Um, yes, most talented player Alex Ferguson had ever seen in United's academy. Last seen not playing for Sheffield United, I think. Hmm. Um, but there was the. Possibly, and as far as I'm aware, entirely fabricated rumour that he was finally done for United when he was found to have been half-inching stuff from senior players, watches and stuff, while they were out doing training. It's like, hey, you're Genuinely, you're it's an illness with some people. Yeah, you're at Man United's academy, mate. You don't need to be nicking fucking Rolex, Rolexes off Rio Ferdinand. He'd probably give it to you. He seems like a nice bloke. The greatest footballer of promise that never came to anything, of course, was the, the 1990s own Freddie Adu. Do you remember him? Oh, absolute championship manager, fucking star, oh, that guy. Yeah, but in real life was, yeah, and, and just nothing ever came of it. I read a really interesting interview with him a couple of years ago where he basically said, you know, fucking championship manager ruined my career. <laughs> you know, Combined with the sort of hype that was let... Imagine you know. how Tonton Zola Mukoku feels, though. <laughs> well, because United was like... Uh, uh, Freddie Adu was a DC United, and at 14, they were saying that he was going to, like... He was yeah. America's Pele. It's like, it's not fair to have anybody <laughs> have that level of fucking ridiculous pressure and hype put on yeah. you at 14, for God's sake. Bless him. Yeah. So there was him, championship manager was him, Tom Tonzola Mukoku, Kennedy Bakirsi Oglu, he yes. was obscenely good as well. And Zlatan Ibrahimovic, of course, who was a child in the 90s. Yes. And he did he actually, actually go on to be a yeah. world-beating <laughs> superstar. Yeah. So what are we on about? So thank you, Tom. Thank you, Noel. Anybody else? Thank Come you. on in. Come Sorry, on I, was in. Trying to think, I was trying to think of the other one, and it's fucking Cherno Samba, isn't it? Oh, the one at Millwall, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's doing he a lot of reflective a... interviews about 10 years ago about, oh, I went terrible. Yeah, because he be was the one that you, though, wasn't it? He was like the ultimate fucking championship manager, cheap boy that would become yeah. an absolute fucking god. Uh, right anyway. then, where, anyway. 
We, not even the see, right this sport. Is the thing. We've spoken, this is, but this is the thing. We've spoken about rugby's need for good games in the past mm. on this, you know. Who were? Uh, fucking, nobody's talking about, you know, well, I say nobody's talking about obscure rugby players from the 1990s, but that's basically our stock in trade. But it's not like, it's not Cherno Samba level, is it? Speaking of our case that we were talking about, you know, we got into a big discussion about rugby's best journeyman. Yes. We had loads of nominations come in the week after, which I've not had time to pull together, but we'll maybe do a Patreon episode on that. The greatest journeyman that you've nominated or something. Yeah, because so, there's some absolutely belters out there. They really are. But it made me think, who is rugby's Freddie Adu? Yeah. <sighs> um, you know, absolutely hyped massively at 14. Shane Garrity. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Yeah, all right. That was a short discussion, <laughs> wasn't Because there's something a bit like Tom Wood, for example. Not Tom Wood. Tom. Oh, Tom Reese. Yep. Tom Reese. Thank you. No, yeah. not definitely not Tom Wood. Tom Reese. You know, but that was injuries, wasn't it? Mm. I'm thinking more of somebody just who just basically plateaued at 15 and never got any better. There's got. You don't be hear a few. about him that early now. I think now as as we get more and more into. People like Alfie Barbieri, everyone knew about him from the age of about 15, didn't they? Yeah. He could, I hope he isn't, but he could be one of those. I mean, Joe um, uh, Thoxasiger as well. Yes. Like, everybody was talking about it. And um, what's your, your man at Bath? Uh, he's off to Montpellier. Fuck, why have I forgotten his name? Blindside. Come oh, is that Mercer? Is that Mercer? Yeah. yeah. Scored a cracker at ma- the weekend. Yeah, way. absolute man amongst children. When playing yes. with children, but has not kicked on in any kind of meaningful way internationally. Let's face it. Let's throw it to the listeners. Who yeah, do you yeah. think is? It, most of you Rugby's might be going. I don't like Adu. football. Who the fuck is Freddie Adu? But look him up, and uh, and tell us who was rugby's Freddie Adu. So basically, huge amounts of promise never quite realised. Mm-hmm. Not yet, because I mean Freddie Adu didn't even get to a kind of your so club level. No, he didn't. That's the thing. He absolutely. <laughs> You only need to look at Freddie Adu's club list to see how, and because he was always touted with having trials with, you know, teams, big teams. You know, he had a a trial at United at one point, didn't he? Mm. Um, but listen, look at Freddie Adu's club list, right? DC United, yeah, Real Salt Lake, Benfica, mm-hmm. Monaco, Belenzes, Aris. Psycho uh, Rizespor, Philadelphia Union, Bayer, Jagadona, KUP, uh, Kupion Poliosera, which is in Finland. Uh, and then he went out on loan to SC Kupio Futis 98, which uh, is also from Finland. The Tampa Bay Rowdies, the Las Vegas Lights, and as, he's still playing. Uh, uh, he's on Fot- He's in right Ostelin. Uh, he's 31. No. He's only 31. Born wow, in 1989. Wait. He's four years younger than me. 32 now, near enough. Yeah, yeah no, you're right. Yeah, 31. Uh, so, yeah, you're not, you're right, because you just read it, and I'm trying to do the maths. I'm just you... reading it off Wikipedia, yeah. <laughs> the, um, yeah, it sounds like he made a living, though. He made something of a living. Oh, yeah. He retired for two years between uh, 2018 and 2020 to try a bit of coaching. Um but then, uh, and worked as a youth football coach in Maryland, um, and then he's joined Osterlund, uh, recently promoted to the third tier of Swedish football. While we're talking about the uh, MLR, Josh, 
Yes. I've got a daft quiz for you. Oh, hello. Our friend Robbie, that was completely unrehearsed, that segue, by the way. Yeah. Because um, I didn't know we were going to go down this road, but anyway, I thought no. I'd jump in here while we, while we are. Why the devil not? Our good friend and yours, uh, Robbie Squidge Rugby, mm-hmm. pointed out the other day what ridiculous names the New England Free Jack... Don't look it up. I'm not looking it up. a quiz. Yep. What ridiculous names the New England Free Jacks feeder clubs have. Oh, okay. I'm so, Josh, it. I've decided yep. to play with you which of these is a real New Zealand Free Jacks feeder club Hello. and which ones are Fugazi. <laughs> so if it's real, say USA. And if yep. it's not real, say that's some Canadian shit, man. Okay? I'm here for you. First of all, Northern Vermont Hole Blasters. That's some Canadian shit, man. That is Canadian <laughs> shit. That is false. Second, <laughs> Southern New Hampshire Granite Hammers. USA. USA, yeah, that's a real Fucking team. right. <laughs> <laughs> Next, Portland Crab Maulers. Oh, USA. That's some Canadian shit, oh, man. That's not real. Me. Next, the main seacoast sea serpents. Oh, USA. USA, that's right, correct. Next, the Southern Vermont and New Hampshire. The Southern Vermont and New Hampshire Pine Rioters. <laughs> that's got to be some Canadian shit, man. It's USA! It's oh a my real God. team! <laughs> Next oh, up. Jesus. Eastern Massachusetts Bongo Fiddlers. Oh, that's because that's some Canadian that's shit. That's some Canadian shit, you're right. I'm not keeping score. You over, you overreached yourself there. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, New England North Whistle Punks. USA. USA! These are all real. <laughs> so the real teams in there, just to remind you, everybody, were the Southern New Hampshire Granite Hammers... Fuck me. The main Seaco Sea Serpents, which is borderline sensible for this list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Southern Vermont and New Hampshire Pine Rioters. The Pine Rioters is the one. Wow. It's the fact that it's two places as well. Southern Vermont and New Hampshire. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then finally, the New England North Whistle Punks. <laughs> What's the fuck? Do you know, <laughs> I'm going to drop some facts on you here, Lee. Go. The Pine Tree Riot was an act of resistance to British royal authority undertaken by American colonists in New Hampshire in 1772. I did wonder there was some very niche cultural thing that we weren't aware of here. (laughs) The Pine Rioters. But it's the fact they all do sound like punk bands. 100%. Granite Hammers, Pine Rioters, Whistle Punks. I mean, this is a league where the Austin Gilgronies exist. It is true. Who I was just on their Wikipedia page, and uh, it just said that um, one of their their home games was shown on Facebook, and the on-air talent was uh, Lincoln Rose, the the most American name you've ever heard, Uh, and then my personal favourite, Kit McConaughey. Kit McConaughey. Kit McConaughey. Kit McConaughey. Beautiful. What a wonderful name that is. Yeah, so there you Does go. Anybody, so, please, somebody, I, I need to know more about Kit McConaughey. Yeah, any of our US-based friends, we know I we've got a few of them. I now anyway, so... Uh... You need, all you need to know is on there. <laughs> I bet he's anti-vax and pro-Trump I was going to say, this could go really badly in the next couple of weeks. 
he's the bloke who nicked the lectern on the uh, the invasion. <laughs> I tell you what, he's got some immaculately uh, sort of, I don't know, you call that pomade? Yeah, that's pomaded hair to, to like nobody's business. I only had pomade if I got Slick. some immaculate pomegranates. That was very specific, <laughs> but no. Anyway, so there you go, anyway. daft quiz, daft quiz. Oh, unbelievable. Pine tree rioters. Yeah, pine rioters, no tree. Get it right. Oh, no. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Uh, right then. So, player spotted. We begin yes. as we always begin after a daft quiz <laughs> with a player spotted. Yes. Morgan Webb uses his Patreon privileges to email this, to do it via oh. the uh, the older setting. He says, this week, I saw Carl Dixon at a Mitsubishi dealership in Normandy, Surrey. Not Normandy, France. Fair enough. Scans. He was staring at his phone whilst a lady, I assume his partner, was putting their child into a pram. My colleague said absolutely nothing after I explained who he was to them. <laughs> I tell you what, Carl Dixon could learn with saying absolutely nothing, couldn't he? The man who likes to talk people out of red cards. I tell you what, he, he likes to talk a lot. And yeah. I don't always like How what did he, he phrase says. the question? It was a real shithouse way of phrasing the question, wasn't it? <laughs> For a was man that- who... What let's did he say? Forget. Well, if well, if you're convinced, I suppose I am. You know, yeah. for a man who let's not beat around the bush here. You know, effectively told Kyle Sinclair off for saying the word "fuck" in his presence, <laughs> and with you know, and basically you know, threatened him with sending off to be like, oh yeah, but let's 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 not get carried away with this shoulder flying into someone's head nonsense. You know, whoa, yes. whoa, whoa. <laughs> It was like he almost dared him to make the decision, yeah. didn't he? Oh, you think it's a red, do you? Okay, oh, well, you know. Okay, well, well, if you're convinced, then, well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like, yes, Minister. Oh, it's a very brave decision. Is it? Oh, shit, why? Yeah. It's going to be a fun week talking about all this shit, but... Yes, so thank you, Morgan. News first. Carl yes. Dixon, a Mitsubishi dealership. That's very, like... I mean, I would expect to see a, a a former professional rugby player slash full-time referee in a sort of a Land Rover dealership. But then I suppose Mitsubishi's like old money, isn't it? And they sponsor um, Gloucester, don't they, Mitsubishi? They do, yeah. Not that makes a difference. Anyway, yeah. Don't He's like Mitsubishi cars? He's I can't on... remember. Mitsubishi's one, just... prog- one of them companies that makes everything, like Yamaha. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I don't know if they make saxophones and... and... Pianos, pianos and guitars and yeah and everything like uh, Yamaha do but yeah Mitsubishi make a lot of things yes there's Mitsubishi Heavy Industries Mitsubishi Fuso Truck and Bus Corporation uh, an old mate of mine uh, he has his own company that flogs Mitsubishi air conditioning I've seen Mitsubishi air conditioning I can confirm um, also, I, don't know what... I believe Jackie Chan's car in Cannonball Run was a Mitsubishi. <laughs> I can believe it. It sounds like something that would absolute be bang true. on. You know, yeah, low level casual racism type stuff. Yeah. Uh, it was originally the Mitsubishi Shipbuilding Company as well. So, I wonder if they had a cat that sank all their ships, but was yeah, called Unsinkable, did. like that yeah. bloody knobhead Sam. They also own the uh, Urawa Red Diamonds, uh, which is a professional soccer club, and uh, Mitsubishi Motors uh, Mishima, who also play football. There you go. 
Meanwhile, back at the rugby pod, yeah, shall we fuck? talk about some news? Yeah. Uh, Dan Levy's out for the season with yet another knee injury. Poor which... bugger. They'll have to be ripping up. They'll have to be putting that dome up and getting the next uh, the next level of evil zombies to come out of the ground, whatever it was. I've even forgotten what you said now. Some sort of eldritch shit. I was yeah. just... Yeah. Um, yeah, you really do feel for him because it does not sound... You know, another knee injury after having just come back from a horrendously catastrophic knee injury. Just don't feel or sound good, does it? No. And he's, um, yeah, it's a shame for him because, to be honest, the Ireland could do it in back as well. Well, rugby could do it in back because he's a fucking good player. And we all kind of miss yeah. him. So. You know, you can definitely sort of uh, kind of draw a line between Ireland had Dan, who had Dan Levy fit and available and... Ireland since he got injured and they're two very different beasts so he's out uh, James O'Connor is captain of the Reds now which is just weird it's a classic you know give someone some responsibility move is it in and the hope for the best fucking, yeah, hope it makes them was it what's that what's that film is it about a boy when somebody asks you Grant to be the godfather and he's like no that's a fucking terrible idea I'd be the worst person in the world. Yeah, I feel like I had a meeting when, don't you, with Brad Thorne? And yeah. then Brad Thorne you said, you're sure. fucking doing it. And, and, and he went, all right. Ooh, all right, Brad. <laughs> uh, speaking of Australia, uh, Glasgow have signed uh, Waratah's back rower, Jack Dempsey, uh, and Wallabies, and it's a good player. Good signing, big coup. Yes, yes. Bit sort of, bit of a weird one. Because I don't feel like their problem is necessarily that they don't have good back row players at the moment. More that they haven't got to fly off. But, oh, they have got to fly off now, haven't they? Because they've got McKinley. Mm. But still, you're going to throw your money at somebody. Don't sign a, you know. And is it a proper signing for... or is it just an in between seasons in Australia signing? I think it might be. I think it's a proper signing. You know, I don't know why they just, you know, decide to sign a. Former American heavyweight boxer from the 1920s, but you know, whatever. The league was mad in the 80s because English clubs and Australia, other way around, would just sign somebody for like six games in the off season. <laughs> so I went to the, the 1985 um, Challenge Cup final was Wigan Hull, and it's like a classic game. Mm. And Wigan had a Australian outside uh, standoff called Brett Kenny. It was yeah. only over for about three games or something, but started like the showpiece cup fight. I mean, he was fucking brilliant. But imagine being the guy who was in the shirt all year. It's like, fucking hell. Well, it's just kind of like when uh, when the Ospreys signed, and I, I don't know why I always come back to this, but when the Ospreys <laughs> signed Ricky January for literally, you know, three months. It was maybe it was, even and a it was month. Like we, it was Weeble period Ricky January as well. Yeah, it? but he was really good. <laughs> he was like he was there for three months, and he and everyone was like, "Can he not stay? Because he's brilliant." And then he went and fucked off to I think he went to Leon or La Rochelle or one of those places. But uh, yeah, those sort of like flash in the pan, what could have been things where a player just turns up for a couple of months, is brilliant, and then fucks off again. And you're like, oh, well, he started Heineken Cup quarter final for us. Did that guy. Couldn't be any good, though, could he? No. <laughs> Rod. <laughs> Takes more than a weeble-shaped Ricky January to sort that problem. 
but yes, uh, Dempsey's good signing. Uh, he's the 15th international player to leave the Waratahs since 2019, though, which is not a good look mm. if you're the Waratahs. Yeah, what's going on there? 50, to lose a full 15 of international players that's in just, two years. That's just careless. Less than. I mean, help. you've lost them. <laughs> Yeah, they've lost 843 caps worth of experience since 2019. Well, that does well, Brick include... Top, what do you mean you've lost him? Yeah, exactly a set of fucking car keys, is he? <laughs> yeah, so they've lost Kepu, uh, Tolu Latu, Bernard Foley, Adam Ashley Cooper, Falau, obviously, um, Nick Phipps, Naya Avoro, Curtis Rona, Curtly Beal, Ned Hannigan, Tom Robertson, Carmichael Hunt, Rob Simmons, uh, Dempsey, and, of course, Michael Hooper, who's in Japan but is coming back. Still. Fallout signing for uh, Catalan Dragons, isn't he? Is that now happening again? Because I just try to... I do love that they're in Perpignan, you see. Home of Perpignan Rugby Union. And it seems like that is the gateway for shithouses to rehabilitate their (laughs) life. Because Paddy Jackson went to Perpignan, didn't he? Yes, he did, yeah. So, to cut to the chase, how long before Israel Fallout signs for London Irish? People are asking for for his international reinstatement after one bad game or someone. I mean, it could be any day now. Let's face it. <laughs> it could be. I mean, Irish have got form. You know, the Irish took didn't Irish take a punt on James O'Connor when it all went tits up for him as well. Not in quite as bad a way, obviously. No, indeed, but slightly different. Yes. Who knows? Anyway, that would just depress yeah. me if I dwell on that for too long. So. Yeah, me too. Uh, any more news? I've got some news. Uh, Lima's yep. speaking of France. Lima Sopoaga, Sopoanga is off to France apparently, oh, according is he? to rumours. Yeah, I mean it's not really worked for him at Wasps, has he? I'm pretty sure he didn't expect to be playing, you know, full back at the expense of a fetus. <laughs> no, and he's never really. He seems like quite a, apart from his, um, you know, conspiracy theories. He seems like. <laughs> He, he, he seems like quite a happy sort of bloke, but he doesn't. He's not he playing like, like he's a nice happy. Lad. He's not no, playing like he's, he's happy. Not playing like he played. This is what know, comes of living in Leamington Spa, and which, yeah. Uh, but you know, good luck to him. I say, you know, they. He's thirty now. He's you know that's definitely his last big contract, and I feel like his the problem that they always had. Uh, at Wasps was that he was brought in to replace Danny Cipriani and he is not Danny Cipriani. Where's Cipriani rumoured to be tipping up at next? I heard. I don't know. Apparently lots of people are in for him as you would expect. But um, I don't know if there's any front runners. Uh, Oh, Danny Cipriani reveals when we'll see him back on the rugby field. I mean, oh, he says he's going to say he's not going to get a new club until the summer. Apparently, right. Bath. Uh, that was it. Bath. That's the one I saw. Are interested, yeah. uh, and also, if Ealing Trail Trailfinders can uh, get up to the Prem, they're apparently interested in unsurprising news. Claremont wants him, which would just be wonderful. No, um, oh yeah. Imagine, he... imagine Danny Cipriani with Claremont's, you know, ridiculous style of play. Imagine the ways in which he'd find to let them fail right to the last moment. <laughs> He'd bring a completely new dimension to it, wouldn't he? Um, he would. Uh, also, Leon Toulon and uh, Toyota Jido Shockey Shuttles uh, in Japan. Which is where Freddie Burns is, isn't it? Yes, uh, who's apparently 
interested in coming, has had his year in Japan, or his six <laughs> months in Japan, doesn't like it, and wants to come back and join Leicester. Um, you mentioned Ealing Trail Finders, reminding me that they've scrapped relegation this year. Oh, of course, yeah, that is news, isn't it? Yeah, we will have no relegation. Um, One team coming up. Instantly meant, next year. Yeah, which instantly makes Gloucester not give a fuck anymore. So what happens then if Ealing finish top of the championship? Then Saracens are... Ring-fenced out? Well, they just won't ring-fence it, will they? This is the thing, they'll wait until Saracens come back up, whenever that may be, and then they will hoist the ladder as soon as it's humanly possible, presumably. Yeah. They'll whisper to Ely Chamberlain, do you want to come into the league? Sorry, what? No, sorry. Uh, time's <laughs> finished on that question. Ring fencing now. So there you go. That's the news. Any more news? Uh, Dan Baker's back in Wales, which is nice. Uh, but he you got released what? by the Ospreys at the end of last season and was in France, and now he's at the Dragons. I read that news, and I thought, who the fucking hell is Dan Baker? I have absolutely <laughs> no memory of him. Three Wales caps, apparently. And I, I cannot bring into my mind. He's I very ginger. You know, I, yeah, I saw the picture. I was looking hard at the picture thinking, how, how have I not seen this bloke? He no idea really, who he is. I thought Wouldn't he speak could, to him if I did. He could be a really good player for Wales at one point, And then he had some horrendous knee injury problems, which kind of did for him. But um, good player, good carrier. Big lad. Uh, doesn't make it sound like Ross Moriarty's going to be fit anytime soon, though. Because they signed him as emergency cover for mm. Moriarty, so uh, yeah, that's suboptimal for Wales and for the Dragons, I guess. But yeah, Baker's a good short-term signing for sure. This year, leaving certificate students have new choices via the CAO. Whether you're going straight into the world of work or exploring routes to third level, further education and training and apprenticeships offer you flexible, hands-on learning opportunities. The future is full of possibilities. Whatever your ambition, further education and training and apprenticeships can help take you there. Your future is what you make it. Learn more at cao.ie forward slash options. This is an initiative of the Government of Ireland. Bank of Ireland is looking out for your financial well-being. They want to help protect you from fraud. So whether it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday or even just plain old Tuesday, be careful online. Don't assume that every text message or email you get claiming to be from a bank, a delivery service or any company is legit. And remember, Bank of Ireland will never send you a text message or an email with a link asking for your full 365 PIN number or one-time passcodes, so don't give them out. Search Bank of Ireland Security and together this Christmas we won't let the fraudsters win. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Should we, at this present moment in time, talk about this weekend, what we have had? Yeah. So no doubt you're fucking delighted, are you? Oh, you, you know. Yeah, All right. Keep your powder dry. Keep your powder dry. We'll go yeah, through the, we, uh, in, in our we... usual chronological order. I mean, if you, do, if you do do that, I will just come straight out and say I have absolutely nothing to say about England versus Italy. <laughs> because it was exactly the same as all other England games against Italy, except that one we went to. Yes, well, the, and then they changed the rules to make sure that yeah. humiliation never <laughs> That would again. never happen again, yeah. Italy showed a bit of early fight 
and then got comfortably steamrolled by an English team. They must honestly just wish they could play Italy and thereby look like a rugby team every week. I will say this. Italy yeah. defended much better Yes, than against France. They did. They looked a bit more organised. Still work to be done, but looked organised. It's a low bar, but yeah. Um, if Italy could kick better, I think that game would have been a bit more interesting. Probably, yeah. It was entertaining. It was fine. It was perfectly entertaining. I oh, know, so I didn't mean it was done. I mean, in that I think the result would have been a little bit close. England mm. was still a one. But the fact that Italy just kept booming it straight to that back three regularly without finding grass or touch or even chipping it so it was contestable was, was frustrating. And obviously a tactic. Yeah. It's weird how they just, you know, Italy have beaten everyone at some point in, you know, in the history of this tournament, except for England. When and something just goes wrong in their little brains, and they just run over and get their tummies tickled one way or another, and it's just I'm just bored of it. And they've never really been close enough to win either. It's not even like because no. a lot of the wins are kind it's of agonisingly tight, yeah, aren't they? It's what? never even yeah. Like when they've beaten everybody else, it's been by less than a you know penalty usually. But with England, they never even get... They're lucky if they get within 30. I'd love to know the aggregate of what the score lines between England and Italy are over the last 20 years. Because I'll be surprised if there's not an average of at least a 30-point difference. Home and away. Yeah, and I think... Um, well, England have the record score against them, don't they? 80 yeah. points to 9, is it? Something like that. Yeah. And it's, and it's always pretty comfortable. I say it's always pretty comfortable. Having said that, though, England are still a bit bobbins, aren't they? Yeah, that's the thing. They made, you know, Italy doing what Italy did when they play England, make England look like they can play a bit of rugby. But I wouldn't, if I'd struggled to take much out of that if I was Eddie Jones. It's, it is also that thing about what do you think, you know, like I say, we're always going to win comfortably against Italy. So there's two ways you can look at it and say, well, actually, I wanted to put my proper 15 back out there as near as I could get it yeah. to actually build some confidence again because last week was a bit of a shocker as because we, we've got to go to Cardiff two weeks later. Or I could I know everything about that fucking 15, so I should maybe stick Max Mailings in at fullback and see what he does. It's really weird how... It was a weird thing. He was happy was to pick George thing. Furbank at fullback out of fucking nowhere. Yeah. And something like Mailings, <laughs> who's quite clearly in the squad playing really well and can play yeah. really well there... Still doesn't really get a start, despite daily playing like boiled shit. <laughs> I do think that you know Eddie Jones feels like his, you know, this finishes thing that he's so unbelievably proud of um, makes him think yeah, that I started that. You know, are you aware that yeah. I started all of that? <laughs> I do think that you know it makes him sort of. He has got this mindset that certain players are better off the bench. He clearly thinks it with George Ford. And he, I think he thinks it with Max Malins. And he thinks it with um, Ben Earl as well. Hmm. I think he thinks that these players can impact the game best when they come on off the bench as opposed to when they start. Which is, you know, it's a different way of looking at, you know, traditionally substitutes were just, you know... (laughs) Your next best player in each position, and he's and trying you hope to nobody gets injured. Yeah, yeah, and he tries to sort of cerebralize it a little bit more to go. No, 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 no. It's not that you're not as good as as the start fifteen, and you're just offer something different off the bench, and that's what we when we, you know, it's bollocks, basically. 
Yeah. But it's it's pseudo intellectual. It's pseudo intellectual hipster bollocks, which absolutely suits Eddie Jones down to the ground. And yeah, it was it was I was surprised that he went. Because I said last week before the end of the Six Nations he will have <laughs> Owen Farrell at twelve and George Ford at ten again. I didn't expect him to go quite that quickly. I thought he would continue to sort of experiment, you know, give poor fucking Ollie Lawrence a chance. Honestly, through no fault of his own, Ollie Lawrence had a shocker last week because well, he didn't even have a shocker. He didn't, because he didn't have actually, a chance to have a shocker. He was completely anonymous because he was of no played no part in apart from yeah. doing a bit of you know fitful tackling really. So the fact that he wasn't given a go because if he could have had Ford Lawrence and then Slade. Because Slade could could switch around into second receiver yeah. enough to relieve a bit of pressure, couldn't he? Of course he could. Or you could even swap him round a bit. Try something new, I don't know. Or what, a dog woo, do you know what I mean? Can yeah, still play yeah. for Italy if he wants. That's the thing. You don't, you don't cap, cap him soon. Like, ugh. I, I just find it so, like, just frustrating. It's frustrating. Like, I'm not an England fan. I don't care. But it's like, you've got these good players. Use them. In, you know, give them a chance. It's also the fact they kind of got a bit shitty and aggro as well. For no, you know, it's like, yeah, all right, nobody should back down from a physical confrontation and all that stuff. Mm. But you know what? If you actually just focus on playing it a bit better, you might be all right because you're still beating them up front. It's not a problem. And let's it's be honest, that... most of that Italy backline only sat there eleven plus about a fortnight ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's it's become a game that's been much more about two non-incidents of foul play than anything that actually happened the rest of the time. We talk about Johnny May. Uh, Yeah, Johnny May. You know, first, like, first of all, that feels, it certainly feels like it should be a pen, doesn't it? Yes, because actually it is is an attempt to hurdle a tackle. Yeah, and this is... However, I would be loath to take such spectacle from the game in the act Me of too. scoring. Me too. And I really, I, I enjoyed it as a bit of, you know, a daring do. But at the same time, this isn't the NFL. Nobody's wearing a helmet. So, like, you just can't jump over the top of it. Like, if you're diving for the line, you know, as we were talking about last week, it's become quite de rigueur because players practice it a lot. And so people got very excited that Johnny May did something that was a bit different than diving and the one-handed thing. But it's a lot less dangerous when you dive. The interesting thing is, as well, is that obviously this is only possible because of the change in the corner flag rule, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, In yeah. a way, you wouldn't, have to well make it, touch. you wouldn't have to make it a pen if you just reintroduced the corner flag rule and then people would have to not do that, really. Yeah. And I Having don't, said I don't that, have... it's a spectacularly athletic thing to see. Um, yeah. I just think, you know, dive... The dictionary definition is to plunge, submerge, or descend. And people saying that he was diving for the line. He, of course he wasn't. He's jumping over something. Yeah, he was doing parkour. Yeah, and it was very entertaining, but it absolutely isn't legal. And I think it's probably just like quick meeting of the referees to go, should we just change, add that to the statutes that you, uh, you actually see, need to dive? If, if Italy had scored a trial like that against them, there'd be a convened <laughs> panel this on would Wednesday. Already, yeah, this would already be to, <laughs> at panel stage, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, Ugh. so, but it was a great finish. Really I mean, good finish, I mean, really. You know, he continues to do impressive athletic things that belie I am going to be that guy, how though. average a player he was 
early in his career. I'm going to be that guy to point out that average rugby league wingers have been doing this for about the past four years. It's weird. And nobody isn't it? uses that as evidence of their incredible world classness like they do with Johnny <laughs> May. Uh, speaking of incredible world classness, <laughs> Paolo Garbisi. Talk... No, I mean, yes. Shall we talk about Chat Willis and his horrible, horrible luck? Yes. It's just, especially when everything that's happened to him with injuries in his career, particularly the things that have derailed his international career at exactly the wrong fucking moment. I mean, God, you really had to And he just scored, and he was doing Jack Willis things. He was being full turbo Jack Willis. And the thing is, though, horrible, absolutely gutted for him. Instantly, people started saying, oh, get, crocodile rolls should be illegal. They're really dangerous. I, said, I get that. They are. But what the fuck else is somebody supposed to do to dislodge somebody at a ruck now? Because well, as we learned on Saturday after this game, you can't fly in and smash them off the ball like you used to. And it doesn't right. really work anyway. Yeah. Uh, you can't neck roll somebody anymore. Which because, is right. Which is right. So... I'm not here to offer solutions, but like they're all dangerous and they're all potentially hugely problematic. But the crocodile roll does seem like the least horrendous, like least I'd shit like option. I'd like to know what, of... what incidences of injury there is with the crocodile roll. Everyone says it looks like it should cause a lot of injury. Obviously, it was horrendous on Saturday, but you know injuries happen, don't they? It's it's one of the incidents and the technique is so dangerous that it's uh, it has well, to be stopped, doesn't it? I think that this is, the problem is that players competed, competing for the ball perfected it to such an art form now that it is very hard to dislodge a player without serious use of force. And that in itself, whether it's a crocodile roll or it's a flying clear out or it's a shoulder or it's a fucking neck roll or whatever, like, it's it's the only sort of way that they can do it. But the problem is that you know, refs are not really enforcing the rules at the breakdown on the part of the jacklers, and therefore they're able to clamp themselves onto the ball and onto the contact in a way that they shouldn't be able to if they're supporting their own body weight. You know, yeah. Too often they are they are quite clearly holding down the person. Sometimes yeah. they quite obviously got both arms around the person. I hate that. I absolutely and then the ref blows it and says you're not released the ball. That but. He's not, but he's got not both even, arms yeah. around him. He was never getting to the ball. Like The number of times you see a penalty blown up for either being in contact with the ball and sort of clamped around it, but they're not lifting the ball. So it's like, well, either you're, you know, you're basically just limpeted on there and you're using the ball as a tripod and that's not what you, you know if you're not actively lifting the ball as far as i'm concerned you're not legally competing for the ball and therefore it's and, not yeah, a penalty and, and, and commentators use the term and they're right in a way they say that he's showing a good picture to the ref and that's why he's got a penalty but that's not what it's about is it shouldn't no. be able to discern the fact that no actually you you quite clearly you hit the ball your head and you've got your arms yeah. wrapped all around him so no it's physically impossible to like if you're bent over and trying to lift something up off the floor with both hands, if somebody comes along and shoves you in the shoulder, I don't care how fucking massive your quads are. If you're only supporting your body weight on your back two legs, 
you will fall over. Yes. And either you will fall over with the ball in your hands and affect the legal turnover, or you were never getting the ball anyway, or the referee can adjudge that the player on the floor was holding on. But the way that players have to sort of... Rugby has sort of got to the point where players have to basically be fucking limp, you know, clamped onto a ball or the player like, you know, they're a fucking dying man and it's a bloody plank of wood on a sinking ship just creates this problem where players are so drilled to be, and you know, you look, we were talking about Dan Levy earlier, Ellis Jenkins played his first fucking game in nearly two years on Friday after getting fucking a horrendous knee injury doing exactly this. Sam Warburton's career ended about four years before it should have because of the wear and tear that his body took doing exactly this. It's like, it's not safe for Jack, you know, the, the jackal has to be allowed to continue because people are like, oh, get rid of Jacqueline then. Well, it's like, well, no, because the only thing that separates rugby union from rugby league these days really is the breakdown. And also, and also let's not spiral this out of all proportion. Absolutely. Actually, you know, get, get a fucking tally chart going of how many times you see a jackal actually happen in a game and how many times it actually results in a penalty for the defending team. Mm. It's not that often. Most jackals are either stopped, in, I reckon, are either stopped at source or they are bumped off legally without causing, without, yeah. without what looks like presenting high risk of injury. Or are, or are illegally slowing the ball down and should be penalised. Yes, and then should be penalised. So actually, yeah. I think you're right. It's a mixture of don't get carried away with the incidents of it. It's a horrible thing for Jack Willis at the weekend. Absolutely there's, awful. There's a whole question about did the guy was the guy lying on the floor when he rolled him off anyway, and that should have been a penalty, and lots of questions like that. Um, and it was, and the, you could tell it by his reaction immediately how bad it was. It was awful. Yeah, it was, but I do it think was that genuinely awful. But... Everybody's always looking for the latest dooming end of the game of rugby, and everyone just keeps forgetting yeah. that the end of the game of rugby is because it's going to run out of money in about eighteen months. Yeah. So that that's that's what <laughs> yeah, you should gonna, be focusing on. That's going to kill it way, way. That's going to kill it way before there's a, there's a few too many turnover <laughs> penalties, won't, which is really what you're talking about here. And it is that thing, you know. If you yes, the referee should ref it better. But if the referee isn't refing it, and the only way you can get under it is by twatting somebody in the head, and we'll come on to this in the next game, or by twisting the neck, or by pulling them off in a way that's too dangerous, then you've lost the rook, and yeah. there should be a review of how the how it's how it's refed. Yeah, and it should you know there's arguments to be made about how that whole thing can be cleared up, but the reality is like coaches, particularly defensive coaches are going to have to accept that rucks can be lost and that there's like no point in sort of chastising. Because Sam Warburton, you know, we'll talk about this later, but after um, after the red card on Saturday, Sam Warburton was saying, you know, oh, you know, if he didn't try and make that clear out, then, you know, he'd be getting in the neck from his coaches on Monday morning in the video review. for And that fucking, that ruck was gone, man. Yeah. One way or another, that ruck was gone. Like, either they, either it was a turnover or they'd won the ball. He was going to do nothing to affect the outcome of that ruck. And if defensive coaches are not teaching players to be sensible when they can and should, you know, decision-making around ruck time needs to be, you know, it's, and it's not just for open sides nowadays. You know, we talk about open sides being savvy about 
when they try and compete for the ball and when they don't. But like equally, you know, attacking, supporting players need to be sensible about when they enter a ruck to try and support it. And they need to use their judgment and their eyes to look at it and go, am I going to affect the game here? Or am I just going to put myself and somebody else at risk? And nobody's saying it's easy because you're changing a lot of instinctive play, aren't you? You I understand that. But unless coaches start saying, well, actually... Let me paint a picture for you. We're not going to win that. You might get a red card. That's not good. To... So what's, what do you want? Lose one ball yeah, or get a red exactly. card? You know, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. And also, it is that thing about, I don't think Xander Fagerson is an evil man. Christ, no. You know, or anything like that. And and we need to, we've said this before, you need to separate that moral problem from the technical mm-hmm. problem. A red card is a technical infringement that's so severe, you've got to go off. It's a safety issue. Do you know what I mean? Because it's a safety yeah. issue. But it is, in, in the end, still a technical infringement. It's not a moral thing. No. It's not an evil man trying to do evil things. No. These things happen. Just change your behaviour next time. Yeah. Should we, t- should we move yeah, on to Scotland and Wales? Yeah, that kind of brings us in, that. doesn't it, to yeah. Scotland and Wales on that. Um, speaking of which, I don't think Scotland lost that game because of a red card. I don't think Scotland lost the game. If anything, I wrote this on Saturday. I was covering it. I thought Scotland got better. Yeah, with fourteen th- men in many they ways, lost, they lost that game. The ten minutes either side of half time before the red card. Yeah, and then when they got fourteen men, immediately after getting fourteen men, they had a really good period themselves. of possession, really yeah. good period of possession, and played they, really quite well. Yeah, they scored a really well worked, really clever try with fourteen men. They had numerous yeah. opportunities to get points on the board after that. You know, but they and you know. It wasn't a shock to me because look at the way they negotiated Finn's yellow card so well last week. You know, obviously yeah. doing that for twenty-seven minutes instead of ten is a big ask. But well, they know, did it. They did it. They did. Yeah, but they did do it for. They about did 20. do it. They, they did played it very pr- well for the whole. They played very well. Like Scotland tidied stuff up. You know, they they still had the same problems that they had last week as far as, uh, you know, they had a few silly little errors and undisciplined moments where they gave opportunities to Wales. Whereas England didn't capitalise on them last week, you know, Wales did and they turned them into, you know, a couple of tries. And, and that's what Hogg said, didn't he? He said um, after the game, he said, you can't give a team like Wales or any team really four penalties on the bounce in pivotal moments in the game and expect to, to win. No, I, I think Alan, Alan Wynn said after the game that, you know, the red card didn't, didn't change the game as far as they were concerned because they thought they were in the ascendancy already. And it, they were. You know, Scotland was 17-3 up, right, with half an hour gone. And mm. Wales, in the form that they were currently in and with the mentality mentality that they currently got, they looked, you know, really, they were rocking. And even if they get, you know, if they were still... It was, with seventeen three, and they got that red card. I would not have backed them to overturn a fourteen point swing, even with the man advantage. Mm. With the way Wales were playing, they were on the ropes, man. Scotland looked to be really getting into their stride. Their kicking game was absolutely having the Wales defence at sixes and sevens for both tries. That and tr- that it, triumvirate of kickers they've got, man. Yeah, when they got Price Russell, they got Price Russell, then Hogg joined and has a kick as well. Only sits. A handful, and, but then they had that. They just showed poor discipline to let Wales get into field position, and then Wales scored that well-worked try off Rhys in the corner just before half time. To be fair to Pivak as well, at that moment he went, "I'm changing my half backs," 
And that was literally yeah. the first phase of possession that half-back pairing had, and that was that try. Yeah. Hardy, but, lovely pass. Sheedy did that lovely uh, second phase sort of block yeah, and run but drop the, around. But the, but the one the one in the first half was, was you know, was the usual suspects. That was, you yeah, know, that was still yeah, Gaz David's true. bigger. But the difference was, you know, Wales then get to go in 17-10, which is, you know, mm-hmm. and, and also they had that, not just that they scored the try, but after the kickoff, Wales then spent, you know, a good 90 seconds to two minutes bossing the fucking contact area and, it's that and running it through the phases so that Scotland never got the ball back to have any sort of answer before half-time. And then they came out after half-time, as you say, and they scored that really nice try from Liam Williams with, you know, with Pivac being decisive and making that change at the half-backs that needed to happen. And that was where Scotland fucked it. That was not like a player making a bad decision and getting it awfully wrong, but it was just like that 20-minute period either side of half-time where they just, took the, you know, they almost believed... When they were seventeen three up, they all said, "Well, well, this is going to be easy," and let their discipline go. And all of a sudden, you give Wales field position; they do have the backs that can hurt you, and they did. And they were pretty close to winning it as well. There was that, you know, that ball going, they got, ball going they to the their, wrong person when uh, Scott Cummings was meant to get it, and yeah, they got the best. The you know, they, yeah, they got the best. You know, they got better after that red card. They had chances to to win that game, but it was just. Yeah, you know, Wales only scored, you know, Wales did score two tries after they went, but it, they were tries that were, you know, that driving mall try was could have been done at any time. And the Reece Samit try was just a ridiculous bit of fucking individual brilliance. Neither of those were particularly down to it being them being down to 14 men. It, it I don't just... know, he got, put in, he got put in the gap though. He finished it well, True, but yeah, yeah. he got craft. Because at that point, actually, Scotland looked like they'd kind of cracked it in some ways because they weren't putting, they weren't putting anybody in the breakdown. No. And they were fanning uh, out because that man down and thinking we'll cover mm. the pitch. And I thought, oh, this is actually going to work. Right tactic. But then there was just that little, well, it was Halaholo. He just yeah. switched He just switched his position late, didn't he? Yeah. Came and on the outside. Fired arc, that beautifully and then, boom, flat fired pass. Fired that pass. Yeah. And, then, and then suddenly that quick, uh, re-sam it away. I want to make a point about Wynn Jones, actually. Not mm. Alan Wynn Jones. Wynn Jones, the prop. And um, Alan Wynn had a terrible game, but. <laughs> finished that fella. <laughs> yeah. The. Um, the um, Win Jones, a prop though, that 10 minutes for our time you mentioned, his turnover yeah, yeah. of that, uh, that ended that really long period of Scottish possession, which looked like it was going to be all she fucking wrote, quite honestly. Absolutely. Scotland scored there, end of the game. He turns it over brilliantly. Um, and then and then it's after that they go back up to the end of the field and that try you're talking about, the mm. first Rizamit try gets scored. Um, yeah, and then, uh, and yeah, he was great. So he had that turnover. And then obviously he cleverly put his head in the way of an innocent man just going about his business. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's what can you say? You know, it's. Are you feeling better? I'm feeling more confident about. I'm. I'm. The per. The, he seems to have, as if by accident, discovered the personnel that works for this system. Which is frankly Halaholo at twelve. Yes, because he's Thought the he was good, the, he? the closest. Well, he's basically, you know, Hadley Parks with a step and a bit more pace. He runs hard, very well, and he, less than one hundred and seventy-two cracked or broken bones. 
<laughs> yeah. He has another chance to have all of his body broken yet. <laughs> and not... yeah, you know, he's got a nice step before contact, which usually enables him to get over the game line. He's got lovely hands. And his defensive work was really fucking good as well. Like there was a moment right just before um what's his face, Will Rowland got penalised right at the end when Scotland mm. were in their twenty two. There was a little sort of three on two on the outside somehow, don't know. Um and he basically just sort of shot across from out of nowhere across the back of the back line and just snuffed it out and smashed the man behind the gain line. And that was just like, oh, okay, yeah, you understand how to defend at test level. He's crucially got a bit of pace, hasn't he, as well? Yeah, he has. Gets him, gets him both out of trouble and into trouble in the right way. Yeah. <laughs> gets his side out of trouble. But he's, um, I mean, in some respects, you know, when you're listed who's not available for that team, for that, mm. a couple of things. One, the starting 15 looked pretty tidy, even with all the injuries. And then I, I, looked, so, to the be- and then I looked to the bench and I was like, hmm. <laughs> But then Leon Brown came on and did. I tell you what, Leon Brown so what, absolutely looked like a test player for the first time ever. You know, yeah, because it was like was, this fucking brought, scrum is like a crepe paper concertina. Yeah, the scrum was right under the. You know, what do you want as a fucking? You know, particularly as a tight head, to come on. All right, uh, just 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 jog on. Um, scrum <laughs> to the opposition. <laughs> In front, directly in front of the post, five meters out, and uh, just to let you know, the last two have been penalised. So, <laughs> so was, crack on. And it was, it was very good. Who like, we got? Fucking hell! Who's got to sort this scrub out for us? Right? Uh, oh, fucking hell! Go on, Leon. Did he, I mean? he finally did. He what did. Fair Leon Brown's to. fucking absolutely gigantic human beingness <laughs> led you to believe he was capable of doing, which is he just stood there and didn't move. And the Scottish pack went, oh, hang on. This is not going backwards nearly as quickly as it should be. And I think, think they did score directly off that, but it was still a big moment to not, you know, Wales were one or two penalties away from getting a yellow card of their own there. Hmm. And so Where'd you stand on, on the Liam Williams elbowy elbowy? <sighs> maybe a yellow card. I like, think maybe. If, if, we, if, we draw it, if we draw a comparison to um, the Cardiff props... Non yeah. incident a couple of weeks ago, whose name I can't difference remember. Difference is that, that Liam's one, as much as people are trying to say it, doesn't really make any kind of contact with the face or neck. It sort of stays in the chest area as he's kind of shoving him off. There's maybe yeah. a glancing and it, blow and it, on it the moves, neck. It moves up a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Which I think, and, and, and so it wasn't mitigation there. a tremendous amount of force, and it wasn't no. particularly reckless, I don't think. So if I you were to apply Scott- it all, you might get. You'd get a yellow at the outside, I think. Yeah, and probably just a penalty. I think I Scotland think so. fans it probably really was a penalty because they yeah. don't like Liam Williams, and I understand. And that's that. understandable. I, I wouldn't like Liam Williams either. I don't like Jamie Ritchie. I think he's a massive cunt. But <laughs> I tell you what, he might be Scotland's most important player. Because I was going to say, you know what? It was a question going to ask how much did they miss him? him. Yeah, yeah. Blade Thompson like, losing Blade Thompson that early was actually a blow. Yeah, and I'm sick of that as well because yet another fucking brain injury for that guy who has had nothing but brain injuries for the last couple of years. And you know that Gary Graham wasn't going well when the sub gets subbed, don't you? (laughs) No, but yeah, I do feel like if Scotland had been able to lean on Jamie Ritchie's abrasive edge, particularly at the breakdown, like Wales don't get that ascendancy in the the 10 minutes, 20 minutes around half time that they did because they were able to just kind of 
they didn't boss the breakdown so much, but they were just able to get a lot of clean, quick ball. And the thing that Jamie Ritchie does so, you know, he bridges the gap of hard cunt and clever cunt for me. <laughs> yes. And without him, Scott, he's, An they're a bit disjointed. Yeah. yeah, they're a bit <laughs> disjointed without him because they've kind of just got hard men and sort of tricksy men. And they haven't got men that sort of exist in that glorious center of the fucking Venn diagram <laughs> like he does. And I just. He makes opposition ball a fucking nightmare, even when he's not winning turnovers. And I do think they just they really missed him. And um but not and, and also, you know, it just shows you how good Cameron Redpath's performance was last week. And after yeah, one game it. he felt like a massive loss this week. Yeah. And Lang's yeah. alright, but he didn't bring in much of the There the was a there was a great he? lot of fucking meh in that midfield, wasn't there? In both like sides, s- in many ways, until, yeah. <laughs> until hello. Although, to yeah. be fair, I mean, I noticed at least three or four times in the first half, Chris Harris had Owen Watkin on fucking toast. Yeah, Owen Watkin is not a 13. Like, various coaches have tried to put him there. He is a fucking 12, man. He's a big lad who's not that quick. But from his tap tackle, though, woof. That was a hell of a tap tackle. <laughs> but, like, you know, Owen Watkin is a good player, but he is not an international 13. And... I just think we've we couldn't put Nick Tompkins at thirteen because of, we've seen of chaos. Because of chaos, <laughs> so it was just kind of like, well, if we have a sensible man outside him, then maybe it won't be as bad. And it many, wasn't, but he's still not a thirteen. I wonder how many times they're doing like over defending drills, over attacking and defense drills <laughs> that Gethin has to, you know, blow away. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing, stood there, Nick? I don't know. <laughs> why? Why have you moved there? <laughs> uh, I just felt he in just... my heart is where I was supposed to be <laughs> especially now that he's grown his hair out a little bit Nick Tompkins just has this sort of what I, like kind of hyperactive energy of a sort of a child who's taken a little bit too much wrestling and, yeah, and, 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 then, and then he's sort of gone the other way and he's gone oh I'm going to not take this anymore and I'm going to have a load of fucking tomatoes you shouldn't have... especially the blue ones I've said this before, but I'll say it again. You shouldn't defend like a dog chases a ball. Because when I when I shape exactly when I shape to throw my ball for my dog, he follows his heart and runs yeah. fifty meters before the ball's left my hand. He doesn't keep his eyes up. And you shouldn't defend like that. You should defend with your eyes and your brain, not your heart. Yeah, I because I, I for a while I thought I don't like Nick Tompkins at thirteen, and then I thought. I don't like. Nick I like Tompkins. him with the ball at thirteen. What I've, what I've decided, I, I, I certainly don't like him on the wing. Um, but what I've realised is, I just don't like Nick Tompkins whenever Wales don't have the ball. Is what I've decided because it's just anything can happen. Even when he was out on the wing, where he should have been able to do very little damage, he just continually looked out of position, and Scotland were like, "Oh well, we'll just run down here then." I mean, this guy doesn't know where the fuck he's going, so we'll just we'll just yeah. run past him. We like Louis Reese Zamet on the wing, though, don't we? <sighs> Looks a real deal, that lad. And not so much for his chip and chase and that. It was actually for the timing no. of his running pass for Liam Williams that made me yeah. go, ooh, yeah, oh, me okay. Too. Mind you, also, that's exactly what George North was doing at 20. Yeah. Remember? Imagine well, he looked like, complete, looked like this complete yeah. player. You know. The difference between Zamet and George North is that there's not going to be any temptation for players, for coaches to make George North the primary fucking get over the game line ball carrier because he's a big lad. That's true, yeah. 
which was always kind of the problem. But yeah, that's two really again that, pa- on the bounce, that bounce, pace. Right? You cannot like it's a cliche, but you, you can't do buy, not, you can't coach it, can you? You can't <laughs> coach speed, and you certainly can't coach, or you can't legislate for proper fucking. You know, you see, there are lots of players in the world that have got sprinters pace, right? Not many, not very many. You've got the pace that he's got because mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, the way that he accelerated after he got the ball for the his second try, like he appeared, he has that sort of. I think we've talked about it on the podcast before. Like his acceleration, it's not like a sports car sort of accelerating. That's how I sort of describe Nick because Nick Tompkins is very fast, mm. but he accelerates like a fucking V eight muscle car tearing off the lights on Miami Beach. You know, it's all fucking quick twitch fibres and flailing. Whereas when Reece Samit accelerates, it's sort of like... I mean, I've never been in one because I'm from Rabbit's Air, but like, <laughs> you know, like one of those really big Bentleys that does like 250 yeah. miles an hour, but you will never hear any wind noise when you're inside it. Oh. When he accelerates, like he, he, does, he does the... Yeah, <laughs> it's, exa- it's that noise. It's the Itoji it's... and the loose noise. Yeah, it's... Ooh. There's, there doesn't appear to be any change in body like he doesn't appear to be trying to move faster his body just accelerates his arms don't move much either no. which I really he's like the like, antithesis yeah, of you Liam you don't Williams. look like you should be moving that fast but no. you've just covered 40 metres I don't understand how this has happened it's the, you know how Liam Williams runs like you know <laughs> a man being chased down by a spurned lover yeah. like he doesn't run like that at all it's like it's all you know, you can tell he has been coached in sprint training from a very young age yeah. for economy of movement and all that sort of stuff. But as you say, he has that pace and then he does, you know, the decision to kick, the decision to pass, the deci- you know, his decision making and his skill set to back it up is first rate. And that is, you don't often see that at 20 at no. all. So yeah, so big decisions in a couple of weeks, though. Yeah, is is Foxy Davis back in a couple of weeks? Potentially, there's there's a talk that, with the exception of Dan Bigger and uh, poor Josh McLeod, that um, everyone's going to be to a greater or lesser degree fit, Mm. and that will give some 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 real fucking dilemmas because do you drop? Bigger and Gaz Davis after that, I'd certainly be tempted to. I'm, Neither I, of them are getting any younger. I would be, I would arguably say that could turn out when we look back. Well, one, that turnover by Wynn Jones yep. and that second half could turn out to be the most pivotal period in Wayne Pivak's coaching career. It could well be. If this is the moment that it clicks, and, you know, in the same way that Morgan Stoddart breaking his leg for Wales... <laughs> Uh, ahead of Rugby World Cup 2011 in the warm-ups, thrust Rhys Priestland into the starting lineup, and then Rhys Priestland, you know, and finally allowed Wales to move on from James Hook, Gavin Henson, Stephen Jones. It it could be that sort of moment for this team if you know things go well. Yeah, I don't have a lot of confidence that it is, but it it could be. It feels like. 
Okay, it felt listen, like a change hopefully in the guard. as everyone. I mean, got to, it's a different <laughs> level of emotion with Josh. You have to understand that this is, you know, night and day stuff here. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it might not be, but it, it felt, you know, Bigger has been so... You know, Dan Bigger is Dan Bigger. Dan Bigger has been Dan Bigger since Dan Bigger was Dan Bigger. You know, he will never be anything other than what he is. And he's in his early 30s now. You know, a shithouse. The best fly half that Warwick Gatland could ever have asked for to do what Warren Gatland wanted him to do. But he just doesn't cut it at test level anymore. And he, you know, for all of the, you know, raging against the dying of the light that he's done for the last couple of years, Wales don't want to be in the situation that Ireland are in with Jonathan Sexton, where a player is fucking raging against the dying of the light and it's already been dark for about four hours. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it looks maybe like he's now cut he's his own the... hair in the dark as well. <laughs> Maybe now is the moment to finally pull the fucking, you know, well, Gatlin was trying to do that with Anscombe Bigger anyway, you know, mm, and then true. fell back onto Bigger, you know. Now maybe the time to just go, it's time to try something different. We've got a World Cup in two years. Callum Sheedy could have two years at 10. You know, Kieran Hardy, fucking hell, Kieran Hardy, who I've never been impressed with at, te- at Pro 14 level just came on and demonstrated that sometimes all you need is a nine who just doesn't do anything stupid and just does yeah. all the sort of simple things very, you know, sensibly and just passes. You don't have to worry base. about if he's not, it's not his turn for the family brain cell that week. You know, that <laughs> yeah, exactly. He just, you know, he got the ball out quickly. He kicked well. He didn't try and his do anything stupid. Lovely. He has got a lovely, lovely pass on him. Yeah. He just did the basics. For, you know, sometimes that's what you need. It's just a solid, you know, unspectacular number nine. It's weird. Good technicians. Yeah. Lots to be said for them. Uh, right then. So, uh, you already, we started drifting towards Ireland. Should we talk about Ireland? Ireland's defeat, latest defeat. Right? <laughs> latest How, uninspiring Ireland's defeat. Bit, Ireland have become a bad rugby team unbelievably quickly. I tell you what. Is it that like, quick though? Is well, it I mean, though? back in November, they looked like they were... Evolving the game plan while not being very good, you know. It's true. They, yeah, they they're they a bit, they're a bit like more they were, fizzy in the back line, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. they looked like they were in transition, but that they were going to somewhere that you know, especially expected that Gary Ringrose getting fit again would be a real help because you know the concrete fucking misery that they had in the centres in the autumn, you felt like was a bit of a handbrake. But they've been fucking rancid in two games now. Henshaw and Ringrose are arguably two of the best players. Yeah. They're the, no, know, they're actually the, playing pretty... Henshaw had a great the, game. The problem that you have is that there are no obvious solutions because there's nobody that you can bring in that you think, well, he's going to do a better job of doing what he's doing right now than the next guy. Like, there's, you know, you could bring in, you know, a fitter game Bundyaki for Robbie Henshaw. Wouldn't really change much. No. You know, <laughs> I think the problem is a halfback. To be honest, I mean, I know it often are. is in rugby. I know it's a cliche to say, but I do think it's um, it's uninspiring. Well, yeah, Sexton and Murray are shot to bits, but you know, fucking hell, like, you know, what do you play at ten? You know, <laughs> they just look to be a bit. I wonder, can Keenan play ten? 
<laughs> they tried him everywhere else, and he's quite clearly the most talented lad they've found. So it's uh, no, it's, we're being though, daft, right? but it's we it's, are. But like, it's it's kind of when you think about how you know, imagine two years ago, them go, you know, t- turn around to an island fan and saying, uh, you know, in two years' time, uh, it's fuck it, a year ago. Imagine twelve months ago today. You turn around to an island fan and go, by this time next year in the Six Nations, Billy Burns, yes, the Englishman, will be... <laughs> Colin Meaney's love child. Would be, <laughs> will, be star- will be starting at 10 for Ireland, and you'll think that, that might be an improvement. I, I do mean, think... Fucking hell. It's looked hard work for Ireland for quite a while now. I mean, and actually, and, that, and that's not a criticism in a way because they came to the end of a very long tenure of a guy who played a certain way. Mm-hmm. They gave the job to Farrell, which nobody really. There was a few question marks, but everyone was like, "Well, surely he's earned his chance at this yeah, point." Yeah. Um, and I suppose there's that thing that everyone assumes that improvement is an ever uniform, increasing trend line upwards, and sometimes yeah. it isn't, especially when, no. in you know, arguably, well. Yes, st- what remains one of the most key positions on the pitch. You've got a, a 36-year-old Asbo face who won't <laughs> accept the fact that he's playing fucking terrible. You've got Conor Murray who's not been on red. Who's the captain? Who's the captain? <laughs> yeah. And and then there's a big drop-off to Billy Burns now. I'm, you know, they looked in some ways better when he's played, like you said, but that's, that's the ways, true yeah. shocking thing, isn't it? Well, that is the, you know, fucking... Like, Ireland... Are, I think, the most miserable and non-entertaining team in the Six Nations, and don't forget England are in this tournament. <laughs> but like, they're good at three things, right? Tackling, they're good at tackling. Got to give it to them. They're very good at the breakdown, and they're very good at the lineout. And it's an incredible recipe to be bored shitless and they're very good at holding possession and doing yeah, absolutely of, fuck all yeah, with it because of all at least three they were of those historically yeah. they're, because they're so good at the breakdown they are ex- it's extremely hard for opposition teams to score tries against them or even establish any kind of foothold in the 22 because they're just such a nuisance at the breakdown they're such a nuisance at the line out and then on the flip side as you say they retain the ball so well because the set piece is rock solid and it's really hard to get turnovers against them. But as you say, they just they do nothing with it. And so what you end up with is just phase after phase of doing fuck all. Like at the end of the game, that sketch where they were, you know, a penalty somehow through absolute fucking baffling cosmic chance, <laughs> they were within a fucking kick at goal of winning that game that they did not deserve to win had that game been played 10,000 times over they did not deserve to win that game and they start they got a lot they get a fucking penalty and start just inside the France half with a line out and then spent 2 minutes going backwards to their own 10 meter line and then fucked up and I was just like you started inside the French half. You could have like got a fucking driving ball and driven it for five metres and got something out of it. But no, instead you went ball off the top and then backwards. And backwards and backwards and backwards. Practically every ruck, every tackle just went... I mean, fair play to France, who defended very well at the end, but it was not hard. They were doing nothing. They just do nothing to create any kind of 
like nothing that they're doing in terms of their pattern is pulling defenders out of position or creating holes. It's mm. just like running a you know a wall and hoping that eventually you'll break through. It's just I feel like the the sort of the evolution that they sort of demonstrated a bit in the in the November tests. People have just gone, oh, okay, they're going to do that. Hmm. And that's the only thing they do. The, um, yeah, and that back row they played, man. I mean, I know they've got a lot of injuries there. But Fuck me. Well, from that whole, like, should not you know, be the answer. Yeah, do you know that from that whole embarrassment of riches thing? You've then got Ruddock, who's... <sighs> Van der Fleer, who's never really convinced me, to be honest. And, um, and Stander, who's doing all right, but he's not... And then you're playing oh, against, yeah. you know, Jalonch, Olivon and Aldry to uh, just kind of showing the way, aren't they, really? That's the thing. They are what, you know, absolutely standard could be part of a really exciting and really uh, sort of interesting back row with the right constituent parts around him. But at the moment, he's just the sort of, you know, the third abrasive mm. big bloke in a back row that's generally three abrasive big blokes. It doesn't work. Like, the, um, yeah, I just it's where do they go from here, really? I think the problem is, is that I do think they need to find something genuinely... Well, Craig Casey could maybe have offered something yeah. on Saturday. Um and I do think that they just need, they do, I think, well, a fit again, Joey Carberry fit again makes a difference, I think. Yeah. You get a significant in, increase in quality there. Did you just need to mix the game up a bit more, I think? Yeah. Because too many times it's that fucking, and not because I'm against kicking in principle, but just too many times it's that kicking game, or it's, but I can understand why they do that, when otherwise than that, it's it's sideways and not going very far. Yeah, so, I'm t- I tear my hair out when I'm looking at people reviewing the weekend and talking about the weekend and talking about Jameson Gibson Park as if he's somehow good. I think he's and a nice he's player, some... actually. We talk about he's a good right. technician. He's all right, but yeah, he's. But I just think he, and he, and he, he, he did see nothing when they were getting more rhythm in the autumn. That's true. He seemed to be at the kind of heart of it. He seemed to be moving. Yeah, he was. But you only get was... rhythm if your forwards did a reasonable job, you know. Yeah, he was doing a good job of sort of getting from breakdown to breakdown really quickly and kind of keeping the momentum up, which enabled them to do more with it. But as you say, unless the forwards are getting proper front football, and I mean, let's not forget, we're talking about a back row that feels unbalanced, but, you know, who else have they got to throw in there? The suspended Peter Romani, also about 7,000 years old. (laughs) It's... It's weird, man. They can have all these good players. Did he have yet... on the bench? We get Will Collins on. The... Will Connors on the bench of the weekend, wasn't it? Yeah. Gur yeah. Casey. All right. Yeah. yeah. Alton Dillon's it's... pretty mobile. He can cover blindside, can't he? I do feel like the time might be for some, you know, for an acceptance that some players are not as good as they were expected to be, and maybe it's time to move on. And give some other lads a go, you know, because there's a lot of six out of tens in that island back row and in that sort of tight five full stop, to be honest. And there's just, 
I don't think you're going to do anything with that pack. Unless I think James Ryan. Few, James Ryan comes James back. Ryan's it looks a huge different. Miss. Yeah. I think him and him, 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 Burn or Henderson together. Perm two from those two. Well, well that's the thing. If Burn, you, you, sorry, you, Ryan plus one of those two will be fine. Yeah, I mean, you could. You gives you the option of maybe sticking Ryan and Henderson as your, you know, as your second rows, and then maybe sticking Tab Burn at six. You know. If Stocktail gets formed back, he, that's okay. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's just it's, it's hard. It's just, to, it's just it's, it feels I'm mad sort of to me that we're in twenty twenty. We're so we're in twenty twenty one, and the answers to questions that are being, you know, put to Ireland in terms of you know to Andy Farrell, and the answers to the questions are fucking Reese Ruddock and. I just I don't know what you yeah. <laughs> what well, you do with that, you know? If you're answered your question, you know, Reese Ruddock didn't play badly on the weekend, but fuck me. He's just no he'll give everything but Keith Earls as well, you know, how is Keith Earls still an answer at this stage of his test career? Hmm. I just there's gotta be you know there's no point in the Irish teams being as dominant as they are in the Pro fourteen. And doing as well as they do in Europe, if the players then just look shit at test level, you know it's it's the maths don't fucking add up. I think the thing is they have got a few injuries. It is they're still in the early days in a very weird situation of a new coach. You know, who knows? It might get better in the next few games, but we'll see. But it's not looking very inspiring at the minute. The um, speaking of inspiring though, um, Olivon's looking well, isn't he? Yeah. See, Olivier Manu was slagging him off last week because I don't think Olivier Manu fancies somebody taking his sexual number seven title off him. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind him at all. This, I mean, he's France genuinely though. Uh, I do feel like they need to buck up their ideas a little bit. Yeah, we're still only like, a two-point win. We just described how yeah. shit Ireland are. Yeah, this is the thing. A win away in the Six Nations is absolutely. To be cherished, yes, but especially in Dublin. But fuck me, France dominated that game, and yet they came within one sort of penalty decision or a drop goal of losing it against a team that we've just spent about fifteen minutes talking about how fucking shit they were. But like, again, my point stands from before as well, though. In they are still relatively new as yeah. an outfit; they're still building. So they're full of a fucking staggering amount of talent. Yeah, that's and the thing. Edwards' is, uh, fucking touch is displaying itself all over Absolutely the place. Absolutely, it is. And yeah, it's the kind of game that you can get away with now and then. But they do need to get their shit together because, you know, that passage a play at the start of the second half where they just scythed through Ireland instantly and were on the try line. You know, and DuPont fucking faltered his forward and threw it at Willemsey. Was it the Will Willemsey, yeah. It was very funny, but it was like people saying, oh, you know, Wormser's got to be, you know, timing his run better. It's like, no, Antoine Dupont is capable of being shit. And he Well, had... in that one second. I don't know. I th- he was idea. quite bad. He was quite bad on the weekend. Like, he did, he did his Antoine Dupont things very well in that he was doing far too much and it usually worked out for him. But his actual, like, basic fundamental shit, like passing, was Awful. It was like balls, you know, above heads, balls at feet, you know, literally throwing it into someone's face from two yards away. Like, 
if he'd had a bit more composure, France probably could have got a bonus point there and they would have been absolutely fucking laughing to the Six Nations. And it's obviously a blip because he's a fucking genius. He's the best player <laughs> yes. in the world. But he had a good last 10 minutes as well. Yeah, he did. Can't but it's not good enough to look hot shit against Italy and then phone it in against a real team. Like, if they want to win this tournament, which, fucking hell, if they don't win this tournament now, what the hell are they going to do? Yeah, not a um, vintage year and all that. Yeah, yeah, 100% not a vintage year. Wales are undefeated after two games, you know. <laughs> what more better sign do you need? But, you know, all three of the other would-be contenders for the Six Nations have lost at home. You know, oh, it's, yeah, it's good point. Uh, France should be going, if we don't fucking win a Grand Slam this year, lads, we have fucked it. Bird of the Rue, by the way, never not not being a total and utter shit out. Oh, absolutely lives wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Absolutely lives it. So we've got a couple of weeks off now. Well, a week off now. So we're back in a couple of weeks uh, next week with predictions, etc., etc. Yes. Should we do shit good? We should. Yeah. Have you got the shit? Um. Uh. I mean, Andy Powell having shit opinions about rugby again. <laughs> I wish he wouldn't. I don't uh, think I mean, ex-pros uh, from that period and yeah. before should be allowed to speak. At least Andy Powell watches enough domestic rugby to remember that Paddy Jackson exists, which is something that I've tried very hard to forget. Lee Jarvis did a video at the weekend. Oh, my God. Lee Jarvis did a tweet and then did a video talking about the tweet because he felt so strongly about bringing <laughs> back rucking. Fuck me. That's the answer to heaven, isn't it? How do we clear this backlog at the fucking Calais port? Bring back rocking. <laughs> they don't understand what rocking is. There's no... Ni- rocking doesn't need to exist. should end the lockdown exist. and bring back rocking. That'll sort rucking out this COVID-19. Like, nobody's lying all over the ball anymore. Have they not noticed? Like, <laughs> players get out of that tackle area like fucking yeah. rats up drain pipes You can see the ball within about one, within what, point yeah. two of a second. Yeah. The ball, you like, can see it. Bringing back rucking would literally not change the game at all. And how would you no, ruck this jackal? There's nothing there to ruck. Would yeah. you jump on his back the, and, like, jump up and thing. down? Like a well, goat you know. on a trampoline. <laughs> well, you know, you can claim you're diving for the try line and just two-footed <laughs> kick him in the face. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, today, as we recorded this... Rock him up, I say... Rock some sense into them, that'll sort it. <laughs> Rock some sense into them should absolutely be uh, tonight's <laughs> But um but yeah, there's it's today is the anniversary as we recorded on Monday, today is the anniversary of Andy Powell's golf buggy incident. Oh, of course it is, makes, isn't it? Yeah. Makes me feel very old, but also reminds me that I don't I don't need to care about anything that Andy Powell says, especially not things like this. No, indeed. What else have got? The shit? What have I got? The shit. Elliot Daly and Ben Youngs. Really bad. Why? 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 <laughs> Must be persist with this. I mean, I think you know Elliot Daly's not played well for a while. Now does Ben Youngs? He's entirely nope. unconvincing. Shit. That fucking what was it the kind of the rush, fend, and gas that Yoani did on Daly <laughs> late on? I was like, Jesus Christ Almighty. Yeah, so um, yeah, that is not supposed to happen. Both to him and you. Youngs threw some horrendous passes again. I mean, yeah. I know everyone can have a bad pass, but actually, what are you learning anymore? And actually, at least with Elliot Daly, I can think to myself, well, actually, if he gets back to how he's supposed to be, great. 
he's, he's supposed to be there. You don't, with Ben Youngs, I'm like, I don't understand what you're waiting for. <laughs> what what are you waiting for as a coach yeah. with Ben Youngs, really, at this stage? Well, especially given how much better uh, Dan Robson made things seem when he came on. Oh, you know, I know against Italy. Zip, and, but, and he wasn't great the week before, Robson. He, I think because he was trying too hard. No. But that's the other yeah. problem you have, isn't it? If you don't feel like you're secure in any way, you'll try too hard. Yeah. And then you got Ben it's, Youngs, who is so secure. I don't know what he's trying. So he's my like, patience he has tenure. <laughs> he has tenure and he's not moving. He's like a French train driver. He yeah. works a three hour week and he's not, and nobody's <laughs> shifted him out of that job. Uh, Organised labour, eh? That's the way forward. I remember when I went to first went to France. You you really are a terrible rugby union podcast, aren't we? Talking about (laughs) unions and organised labour, bang in the wheelhouse of most rugby union people. (laughs) The um, the remember going to France? We went to Euro Disney on the train and went to the buffet car, and the Mm -hmm. bloke made a croque monsieur. It was the best part of the entire holiday, to be honest, because Disneyland Paris was shit, as I've well Agreed. established. Agreed, yeah. But I remember thinking he does a cracky crop monsieur, this fella, but you know why he does a cracky crop monsieur, don't you? He's on about 57 grand a year. Yeah. And he's retiring he's next week, and he's yeah. only 38. He's he's paid to make a phenomenal crop monsieur <laughs> love his job. Yes, with a completely unfunded pension liability at the end of it. <laughs> oh, anyway, where were we? We're doing shit good, weren't we? What have we got from yeah, Twitter? Matthew Bold says, shit, the Wales performance, but good, the Wales performance. Yeah. How's that feel, doesn't it? Strong vibe. I, just, I really genuinely feel like there's some... I don't know. I didn't really know. How, I didn't know how I felt at the end of that game, and I still don't really. Is it because you can't bring things. yourself to be happy? There's definitely a bit of that, yeah. I mean, you know, but, let's be honest, if history's taught us anything, you're not one for shifting off of you quickly, are you? So no, is it, no. are you have to develop, I'm, I'm, like I'm Wales is developing Gale plan, game yeah. plan, it's going to take that long to shift you? Uh, yeah. I think, you know, I'll be I'll be the oil tanker of change as far as my <laughs> opinion on Wayne Pivak. But it's like, I'm, I'm just, I'm pleased to see some green shoots of recovery, maybe. If the oil Maybe. tanker of change is not in your Twitter bio by tomorrow, <laughs> I'll be upset. Um, Alex says, shit, is the ref not looking at Liam Williams taking Hog out off the ball? Yeah, no. yeah there was, yeah. I genuinely didn't see anything in it. I still don't think <laughs> anything in it. I thought it was maybe a penalty, but if... Yeah. We're going to start forensically looking at everything that might be a penalty off the ball. We'll be here for a very fucking long time. Uh, Mary M-O-M-X-W Williams says, is shit is how it's becoming more and more evident that rugby against racism isn't actually doing anything to address racism. Racism <laughs> racism isn't over just because some folk are over it. Um, I, it's a good point, Mary. I suppose when does when does when do gestures have to become something concrete. Jason Robinson made the point himself, didn't he? On that great interview he did on the yeah, the, one of those other far bigger podcasts that actually they're, they're doing all this and nobody's fucking phone me to ask me what I think, and I'm a working class black lad from Leeds, so he played rugby it's, union. This is the thing, isn't it? It's it's really, I'm, I'm pissed. I'm just pissed off about it now, like. I genuinely 
I was so like positive about rugby's sort of reaction to it in the aftermath. Hmm. But now it is just feeling like increasingly empty gestures with not a great deal of fucking substance to back it up. And I would kind of rather they just fucking knocked it on the head than sort of keep in, you know, going with things that don't feel particularly meaningful, that are choreographed and are not really sort of... It doesn't feel and, like and anybody's that yeah, And it's Mary's it. point, isn't it? Well, show us, all right, maybe don't put it on the players then. If they're not feeling comfortable with it, all right, I don't agree with it, but I understand. So mm. what? let's have some in, actual initiatives from unions about what your three to five year strategy is to sort yeah. this out. Yeah, exactly. You know, meaningful stuff beyond writing things on the fucking advertising holdings and having a non-fucking denominational minute of thinking about shit at the start <laughs> of games. Uh, thank you, Mary. Joe Daniels says, is shit not bringing Craig Casey off the bench? Yeah, I agree. For even five minutes at the end in a game we were chasing and could really have done with something adding any attacking intent. Do you Agreed. think that... Do you think that do you think that Andy Andy Farrell's obsessed with Jameson Gibson Park because he looks like his weaker little brother? There is definitely that, that he wants vibe, to protect or something. Yeah, yeah. It's an emotional thing with Andy. Yeah, could be. It's arguably one of the only things that makes sense. <laughs> there has to be some explanation. So this is it. <laughs> Ian White gets in touch. He says, "Shit is Henderson and Healy coming back on after that clash of heads." Henderson in particular, like he was out of it as he went off. How often do we have to keep having this discussion, I suppose? Yeah, I was very surprised that both of them came back, to be honest. And it's weird because most of the time now, you'd, it is like, well, he's not coming back. And they don't. They just quietly yeah. don't come back on, yeah, don't yeah. they? I, I just booted a bin. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, I completely agree. There's a definite sense that there's there shouldn't... You know, when they don't come back, quite often they just don't. And it's like, yeah, all right, fine. Gordon then, White. Yeah, uh, it just... People said the same about why uh, when Jones didn't get a, um, a HIA. Mm. And I, I don't disagree. Yeah, to indeed. To be honest. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Gordon White says, shit is Woodward. How is he still getting work? Absolutely embarrassing. Yes. Yeah. He said also shit is the Mish declaring that Fagerson's red card wasn't a red. I think he went further than that, didn't he? He said it was a ridic- that call wasn't rugby and it was a disgraceful call. It was, yeah. It was the unfortunate thing that of like the ridiculousness of sports journalism that he said that directly after the game, but it wasn't reported on until Monday, at which point everybody goes, what the fuck? But he, you know, he said that in the heat of being yeah. very disappointed. But equally, Greg, what Gregor Townsend said about sort of, you know, not agreeing with the sort of way the referee had made the decision when the referee, you know, consulted the TMO and then made a decision based on the evidence as he saw it and didn't allow himself to be bullied by a TMO. Like, uh, and, and, re- you know, and officials are allowed to have a disagreement, but the one in charge is allowed to say, well, actually, I think it's that. Yeah, thank he you is for the raising, referee. Thank you for raising the points you've raised. However... Yeah. Duly noted, this is the decision I'm making. Um, he, but Gordon does say good was the Mish admitting he was wrong on reflection quite quickly. Yeah. Um, he said, but also shit, is my two-year-old repeating every swear word I muttered when Scotland mm. lost? 
Yeah, it's that terrible moment when you have kids where you suddenly realise you have to stop swearing in the house. Because the first 12 months of their life, you can swear like a fucking troop, it don't matter. And there's a point at which you go, oh, no, I have to stop saying cunt in the house. The um, Well, you, if you don't want your kids at, to say it, so you want to for, you know, At least for a period of about, you know, 16 years-ish. Oh, yeah, my about. kids are now 16 and 18, and, yeah, it, it, it runs freely now in this house. So, <laughs> the... um. Yes. So, and I do think, yeah, people are fuming afterwards, aren't they? Yeah. But there is, there is, there is a groundswell of, I'm, I'm hearing from somebody who's close to this. There is a groundswell within world rugby of a move to try and change these all of these head contact protocols because a lot of players. And apparently the new technical director at World Rugby aren't keen. And there's a hell of a lot of lobbying going on. Jesus. And there's something about referees already starting to take a slight... You know, that your point, Josh, when you made around, there doesn't seem to be as many reds as there used to be on this. And people seem to be looking... Yes. Like Carl Dix at the weekend, are you sure you can't find a reason for this not to be red? Which is really what he was saying. Yeah. And, and all that talk apps. about referees being reluctant to send people off, which pundits keep saying... Yeah, it seems as there is actually a kernel of truth to it. According I mean, to now, obviously we all got sources. Yeah, but, but this this forget. is a source quite close to it. Look, imagine how that would play out in court. Oh, it's ridiculous. Imagine, imagine how that. Is it's not even that hard to address from, either. Lobbying from a technical director of who is fucking Joe Schmidt. Let's not beat around the bush. <laughs> like. Lobbying from formerly one of the most high-profile coaches in the world causes rugby to stop being fucking vigilant and taking serious life-altering fucking brain injury, con- like leading to contact seriously. Imagine how that will look in court when it inevitably gets there. Jesus Christ. They're thick as fuck, aren't they? And all because I understand players getting a bit frustrated, but you got to stack it up against. It doesn't ruin the game. Nope. Red card. Look at that game Saturday. Did that red cause ruin that a game? There? If a you were Scottish, fucking. If game. you were Scottish, you might go ruin my fucking game because we lost. But your point, I'm not sure they lost because of that. However, they were in a better position to try and win had they not got that. But it didn't ruin yeah. a game in rugby. Yeah. No. Um, you know, we've got Super Rugby in one of the Super Rugby's testing out a 20 minute red card. This week, which is you know the next fucking and nonsense, it's, um, yeah. And, then and the Six Nations is terrible because there's loads of people who don't watch rugby, and and fine, welcome them along. Big audiences, rugby are great, but what you then have to do is the fact at that least people, until next season, but people <laughs> people don't pay attention to rugby, do they? Much in between, so then they, they see something like that and go, "What the fuck's going on here?" Then you get this big amplified noise. It's like, well, actually, if you'd been paying attention for the past. Two or three years, you'd know why that happened. Also, Jiffy. I don't, I don't give a fuck about what Hamish Watson thinks and yes. how he's, or what Liam Williams thinks, or what any of this current generation of players thinks, because you know, well, think, this, yeah. this generation of players has been brought up, as you, oh, we sort of said earlier, this generation of players has been brought up, you know with rugby being played the way that it currently is. 
and they don't like it when it changes because it changes their whole fucking thing. And that's fair enough. But we're not, you know, this isn't about them. This is about no. the, you know, generation of kids that are starting playing now. There is always that fast forward 10 years and nobody will be talking about it. Like 100%. the tip tackle. Nobody will be talking. Yeah. Nobody talks about tip tackling anymore. Doesn't happen. Nobody talks about it. Game's moved on. Nobody even tries it. Likewise, I think the point about the jackal, over the next five years or over a period of time, there will have to be a change in coaching to address the jackal that isn't clearing it out. It's actually yeah. getting a tighter pod to carry in with. Don't let them get sorted. Don't. It'll, it'll focus on people being less isolated. All yeah. kinds of stuff like that. It's not. This is not an unsolvable problem via coaching. No. And maybe spend a bit of time working on that rather than working on bollocking people who've just nearly fucking yeah. smashed someone's brain in. Or, or working to spend his time working on lobbying world rugby <laughs> to make <laughs> the game more dangerous. Bizarre. You fucking morons. Anyway, moving on. Dave McGee yes. says, shit, is Mike Cat? Has he actually done a good job as an attack coach anywhere? England was shit in 2015. Italy were useless for four years. And now Ireland attacks so poorly it makes Joe Schmidt's team look like Fiji. <laughs> I mean, Mike Cat, he basically makes... A- Rugby teams as boring as he seems, but it's that classic. It is that thing with Cat. Every time he's appointed, people go, "Great appointment, that really yeah. clever player, Mike Cat." But actually, yes, when you apply a bit of analysis, it's like actually, no, he's been terrible. Yeah, and you and you, whenever you hear him open his mouth, you think, "Please, just fucking murder me," because he's <laughs> unbelievably fucking boring. Dave McGee finishes with it. Good is I'm getting my vaccine tomorrow, which will be today. Hey. As you listen to this properly, congratulations, Dave. Nice one. I've had the vaccine because of my job. Yeah. And it is a strangely emotional moment. I'm not going to lie to you. When you sat there and you look at that little tiny bottle and it goes in your arm and you think, fucking hell, this is that tiny, tiny thing. All the work that went into it, all the work that's got it to get in, getting it here, and whatever's just got in my arm is the beginning of the end of this. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it. Like, it's I got, really my, weird. My mother's getting it. A week today, and when she told me that she was getting it, I was a bit sort of emotional because yeah. you sort of you sort of realise that this constant state of worrying, you know, particularly about your elderly slash vulnerable mm. loved ones, is you've just been in this heightened state of worrying. For and what it will mean now is that even if they get it, they're unlikely to be hospitalized. They're not going to die. That's the thing, yeah. Like, you're it'll be almost, like flu. You know, it'll be like yeah, a lot of other stuff you manage. You're almost certainly not going to die from it. And that's, you know, Jesus Christ. Like, no, yeah. I mean, you know, to, it's been long it's established. To, I'm a crier. So oh, I'm yeah. probably a good person to... <laughs> I genuinely felt a little bit teary when they put it in my yeah. arm. Yeah. Because it's yeah, as you say, it's it's the it's the sort of the little fucking pebbles of the avalanche of ending this thing, mm. isn't it? And it just yeah, it's 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 a window into not being so worried all the time about everyone and everything. Yeah, which I think we've all just got used to as a kind of general background noise. Yeah, but isn't normal. I mean, you know, we're doing sea shanties yeah. now, and it's a thing. This is where we've got to. So glad sea shanties are over. Beans and Weetabix. I'm. I feel like crying now, knowing that this vaccine will bring that to an end. <laughs> and finally, Evan says, "Shit is Ireland's attacking plan." Yeah. Yes, but good yeah. is Larue's constant shit Yes, Evan. Yes, that's what modern rugby's about. Damn Doing, right. It's not 
it's barely illegal. Yeah. That's what I like just, about it. It's shithousery. It's not yeah. being a dirty cunt. Yeah. It's just being a bit of a shithouse. Absolutely it? fine with that. that I wasn't looking at him, ref. I love that. I wasn't looking at him. That was a matter. He still tripped him. Get off. <laughs> when players, let's think, when players, you know, when there was that talk a couple of weeks ago about rugby, sort of what rugby could learn from the WWE to be more interesting and about players <laughs> sort of embracing. Walk on music. Yeah, well, players embracing being heels yeah. and being villains. Like, yeah. I don't want, like, people, I, I heard someone talk about, you know, uh, the Mish sort of embracing being a heel by basically just turning around and saying, no, fuck it, I think it was a terrible decision. That's not what rugby is. I don't, that sort of heel is not helpful <laughs> to the game. But being a sort of Bernard LaRue type heel, and if he was just like, yeah, I'm going to fucking trip somebody up if I get the opportunity, I don't give a fuck. I'll do it again. <laughs> I did it right now. In fact, he did do it again. He tried to do it about... When he came back on, he tried to trip Jameson Gibson Park up when he was he was he basically like cleared, trip last he cleared out. Did you Russell's, see him? He Russell's out. trip? Piss yeah, which was last like week. basically made Piss himself funny. a big star. It was amazing. Give it a full shot. Yeah. After he'd got sent off for tripping, later on in the game, he cleared out an island player into and sort of cleared out through the island defensive line and then attempted like Gibson Park was rushing up to sort of tackle around the fringes of the ruck and he stuck his foot out and attempted to trip him up again not 20 minutes after he'd been sent off for tripping someone up I love that Yes, embrace that Bernard LaRue rugby's first true heel and without acceptable heels you cannot have heroes can you exactly so, you can't any more shit before we move on nah uh, good what have I got what I've got good is Sean Edwards speaking French <laughs> uh, if you've not yeah. seen that video, ladies and gentlemen, have a look it's it up on, on the French Rugby it's Twitter so stream. Good. It shows you doing a bit of coaching, and it shows fair dudes having a go at speaking French. Much better than my French. They've had to put French subtitles at the bottom while he's speaking French, because he's so heavily accent, <laughs> wicked accented. I think my ah. favourite was the bit where he said, beaucoup de penalty. That was my favourite line. <laughs> <laughs> Buku de penalty. The uh, the um, but sorry, you know, that's what you should call this episode. But the words, the words underneath yeah. weren't that different to what he was saying. He was obviously getting no. some stuff wrong. What did he say? He went, um, uh, Beaujolais, uh, Gordon, Avec, uh, Le Rip. Avec, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Le Rip. Yeah. I also Brilliant. enjoyed at the start of the video that the uh, French Union put on their YouTube channel. Showing the players celebrating in the dressing room after the win. <laughs> yes. uh, that little bit of Sean, Sean Edwards' boogie at the start was really yeah. great. As, as Graham Love said, stupid, sexy Edwards. <laughs> a wonderful <laughs> Simpsons reference. Um, you got any good? Uh, no, we covered. I was going to talk about Ulysses Alholo, but uh, no, yeah. we've spoken about him, haven't we? Grant Taylor says, good is Anthony Watson. He did a Zoom call for my son's under-14 academy the Tuesday after the Scotland game. A very nice lad and very honest about how shit England were when the, when the kids asked him questions about it. <laughs> and he was very good on the weekend. Amazing when he gets a bit of ball, isn't it? Yeah. And also, he's been consistently great and how fucking fuming he is about the shithousery around him when it comes to the kneeling and generally standing up, standing up, you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. making some kind of... Stand. I keep saying stand. I can't stop saying stand when they're not meant to be standing. But you know what I mean? He's fuming about it anyway, and he's quite publicly saying it. And I respect him for that. Absolutely. He, he must be fairly othered as part of where he is anyway. Yeah. So. 
Oh, I'll tell you what was isn't. good. Have you seen, um, in a in a rare for us uh, diversion to women's rugby, mm. uh, Bristol Simi Pam, the uh, Bristol prop, doing a proper prop from 80 metres score? I have not, no. It's absolutely worth watching because it's not it's not like a a one where they tell you it was 80 yards and it was actually eight it was a proper she gets the ball in the wide channels and dummies a fool and then fucking beats half the team and scores it's outrageous what, what she should talk- not have fucking number one on her back three three red kings always calls a kick by a front row throw forward a fund doesn't he <laughs> yes so what was, which is brilliant what would you call this at a front I would call it a frunderbar. <laughs> Honestly, it's fucking. It's one of the. It's probably the best try. It's better than the Uri Samets try. It's the best try of the weekend, and it's somehow scored by a woman with fucking one on her back. Outrageous. We don't cover much women's rugby. I always make the point we don't cover a great deal of women's rugby on here. It's simply because we only have so much time to allocate to watching rugby, yeah, and that kind of is taken up with us doing this. And I wouldn't want to cover it as a token. No, that is our. You know, I'd like to don't... be able to know enough about it, like I know about men's rugby, like Nick Heath does, for example, who does a brilliant yes. job of it. Um, but well, I don't. I think we and sort I... of decide that we we kind of want to. We, we we don't want to kind of be tokenistic, and we don't want to. No. You know, we don't. I do wanna... think we have to decide to cover it a bit more, though. I think I completely way. agree. I think you know it's. It's something that we, I think, we are both aware of, and we pay attention to in a sort of casual. Oh yeah, sense. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's sort of, you know, we don't want to, you know, yeah. be. And, I, and it's not because I don't enjoy it. I enjoy, no, I enjoy really all do. rugby, apart from sevens, whenever I want to, whenever I watch it. <laughs> but um, just, can you? <laughs> yeah, I equally hate women's and men's sevens. I'm very, you know, heavy on the you equality. Tell you about yeah. that, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, so yeah, but I do think we need to. We are going to address that at some point. Probably. I think we do need to, yeah. And we but I wouldn't. But I'll have to watch it in a way I watch men's rugby, actually knowing something about it rather than just yes. I think being... I would not want to just kind of watch some highlights every week and then pretend. I'd have that to know the really players properly it. and all yeah, that stuff. So I yeah, it's a, so, yeah. it sounds like a shit excuse, but I genuinely just don't want to. Well, we are where we are, insult. and all we can do is wanna, try and I, get a bit better at it. Yeah, so. I don't really want to insult women's rugby, which is a fucking great sport, by being quite sort of surface level about it. Yeah. Anyway, where were we? Good. We got here. John Fox says Gail Ficku being an all round twelve. I hope he never moves from that position. Now, please don't put him please back on the wing. Leave him there. I know he's all right as a winger, but. He's just very good, man. Did you see fucking Villiers' attempt to tackle Kelleher for that try? He's like, what the fucking hell are <laughs> you doing? Ex- I mean, <laughs> uh, a point of order for the attempted... T- was it was it Van der Meer or was it... Uh, who, who, was making, who attempted to make the tackle on Reece Samet for his first try and he just, abs- just stopped and he just flew past him? <laughs> yeah. That was... I can't remember. I can't remember which, whether it was, which I of the wingers remember. it was. But whoever it was, it was just like, oh mate. But that Villiers one was a terrible. I mean, he's a strong it lad, Ronan Kelleher. Don't get me yeah, wrong, but that big was, lad. That was there, a there was a big, there was a big size advantage disadvantage <laughs> there. But I mean, he yeah. barely fucking made a. Like, he didn't even notice he was there. 
I do, I do love in that video that Edwards did say that straight away he went to Gail Ficker and said, you're my fucking defensive captain. Sunbeam. I love that. Yeah. If I was Gethin Jenkins, that's what I'd be saying to Willis Halaholo. <laughs> yes. Uh, Tom Baker says, good, is Omani and Ferguson conspiring to keep Pivak in a job? <laughs> but this is the thing, you know, it, what if this somehow makes it and you fucked it by just throwing your bodies at people's heads two weeks on the bounce. I do love that. Um, is it Dile Armory, basically? We need to, that Wales needs to absolutely lean into the fluky shithouse role that, that, that Wales find themselves <laughs> See, in. Make T-shirts out of it and everything. This is the thing. We can be, as a, as a team, we can be the heels of this whole tournament. <laughs> yeah, everyone will hate. I Imagine you win the Grand Slam this year. Everyone will fucking despise oh, you even more be, than usual. This would be the most... Absolutely undeserved. <laughs> Mike Mike Phillips versus Ireland in two thousand and nine <laughs> level fucking shit house if we win and try if we win a Grand Slam this year. I will laugh for days. Um Thomas O'Dosber says my my good on DuPont still stands. Josh disagrees, but okay. Uh, other goods this week. The combination for Aldreet and Olivon continues to be a difference maker for France. Uh and Pivak changed his half backs early. Yes. That's a good decision. James Gorkrodge says good is Malachi Fekatoa. Consistently great. Mm. But shit is Youngs and Daly. Yes, I agree, James. Smallman Peaky says good was Italy's offloading game. It was good for the first 25 minutes against France and pretty much the full 80 against England. Really enjoyable to watch. Yeah, and what I liked about Italy at the weekend, they didn't, they didn't emotionally capitulate. No, it's true. And there's something to be said for that with a team that, as I said, you know, have only literally just sold their... Uh, PlayStation games. So hmm. that's what we've got here. Small, yeah, we've done that one. Phil, Phil the Source Pot Lewis says, Good is Welshman, an all round brilliant man. Ulisi Halaholo getting his first run out in red and looking pretty comfortable. Mm-hmm. Anna Sells agrees. Lovely Halaholo finally getting his first Wales captain, looking like he's been playing at test level for years, despite being in camp for less than a week. Lovely video of him today talking about how Macron got some shirts to his kids and they were all jumping around and super excited. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, I'm sure there's lots of unsold Macron stash. I was going to say, Macron have finally done something right. Um, Johnny says, good is the assistant ref that opted to go jacketless. So that was in the Scotland game, wasn't it, when they had the same colour shirts on? <laughs> says, but shit, was the other one for getting a white shirt on over his fleece? Yeah, soft ass. Yeah, hate to see it. I mean, to be fair, they were handing out fucking blankets like what you have at the end of when you've run a marathon. At they the were, weren't they? I thought they were going to give. A, I thought it'd be Mars branded, like in the eighties. It was bizarre. It's like to, to Macron not make just big. Cause surely a big coat is better than one of those fucking blankets. That's the thing, isn't it? They've all got their massive fucking central eating sure. tank lag coats. Yeah, sat there. Surely, surely. One of those is better than a fucking <laughs> flimsy fucking space jacket. Turkey foil. Uh, Andy and Brum finally says, good is how confused and conflicted Josh will be when Wales win a Grand Slam playing this badly every game. Absolutely. No, as, as, as covered, I'm leaning into our role as arch heels. <laughs> yeah, not confused or conflicted, Andy, I think nope. we're fine. Um, anyway, so we'll speak to you. That's us done. Yeah. We shall speak to you lot again in a week's time 
Patrons, maybe before. No, it won't be. Let's be realistic. Maybe <laughs> we're going to do a ninety. No, I've got. Hey, a fo- it could happen. It could happen. I've got a football pod to do this week. Uh, it won't happen. It won't happen. I've got a football pod to do that I have to actually do a lot of research for, which is really annoying. Well, this is about Aston Villa in nineteen eighty-one, and nobody knows that stuff off the top of their head, do they? Not even Villa fans know that. No, I don't think they do. No. No. Right then. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Josh. Speak to you all next week. Goodbye. So long. Bank of Ireland is looking out for your financial well-being. They want to help protect you from fraud. So whether it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or even just plain old Tuesday, be careful online. Don't assume that every text message or email you get claiming to be from a bank, a delivery service, or any company is legit. And remember, Bank of Ireland will never send you a text message or an email with a link asking for your full 365 PIN number or one-time passcodes, so don't give them out. Search Bank of Ireland Security, and together this Christmas, we won't let the fraudsters win. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.